really effeminate roller derby queen. Or Far, far away, Star Wars toys began, and Kenner continues the excitement. The Empire Strikes Back collection. El Regreso del Jedi. Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive Podcast. It's the Kivecast. Present Star Space Station, the snap open space hatch. Sometimes known as the Vintage Pod. Wow, what a weird A monthly audio magazine dedicated to vintage Star Wars toys and memorabilia. Hosted by Sky Payne, Fudd, Chewbacca, and Stephen Lee Dent. Market data mined by Brisbane Brisbane Mike. Luke Skywalker handles his saber well. And Fantastic Pete. Tech support by the low. It's a jam-packed vintage pod. A vintage twin pod. First, we interview the architect of Topps Vintage Card Line, Gary Gerani. Then later, we interview Swedish collector superstars and rock stars, respectively, Matthias and Christopher, about our figure of the month, the 70s nightmare known as the Cloud Car Pilot. Mixed in with that is some general talk with Ron A. Salvatore, the Holy Ghost, and you have a Kivecast to remember. Number 64. Alright, so uh, this is Sky before the show starting. Um, I think it was last year, this time, that I did the thing where I talked while I was editing, and people sort of liked that. Um, we recorded this on Monday. It is currently Saturday. And then I'm going to be recording the interview with Matthias and Christopher on Monday. So I'm going to be like editing it sort of in between. So I just sort of thought I'd pop in and say my kids are having a play date. And uh, I'm in my room sort of editing here. So uh, let's get to the show. And I'll come in and talk a little bit later. Wampa Wampa. Welcome to Kivecast number 64. Yeah, Steve, what do you think? This is actually kind of 65. Kind of 65, yeah. <laughs> so what did you think of that, Steve? So if you've been listening to our shows, uh, you'll notice that there was 63.5, um, <laughs> which was decidedly Steve-less, uh, kind of like a, a sleeveless T-shirt. It was a sleeveless Kivecast. What did that feel like listening to, Steve? It was fun. I mean, I, I love Yehuda, yeah. so I, 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 it was really I, – I, the only thing that bummed me out is I wasn't there with you guys. It just sounded like a fun day. But yeah. No, no, I mean, as far as listening, I mean, I, I enjoy anything that I'm I'm not a part of, so, yeah, that was great. Well, it was funny, we were, I was sort of trying to play it cool, but I don't really try to play it that cool. It should probably be somewhat clear that I was sort of panicking because we disseminated so much misinformation about coin sculpts <laughs> that we needed to, like, fix it within two days. Right, So that was yeah. kind of it, and then just Ross was there, and it was it was fun because, like... We start talking about the changes in the hobbies and all that stuff, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and of course, uh, Jalapeno Pop is, um, which is uh, <laughs> quite quite popular. But yeah, so that's why. But I would never call it sixty four because the Kive cast is, you know, Steve and Sky, um, <laughs> although or Sky. I think it's it's Sky and Steve, right? It, we, I think we had that that talk long long time we ago. Have. I think the main reason is that. If you say Steven and Sky, that sounds dumb. Or if mm-hmm. you say Steven Sky, it sounds like you're saying Steven Sky. Yeah. You know, yeah. like G like G Gordon Levitt or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um speaking of Gordon Levitt, 
this month's episode is about the cloud car pilot, Steve. <laughs> but uh, for this episode, we're going to be talking to uh, someone at Tops. So that's yes. pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. That was something that, uh, that Trevor, the, the tweeter duder, kind of helped set up for us. So that's, that's very cool. Yeah, he fully set that up. I, I should say, Steve, um, you know how if I find out about something and I think it's stupid, I usually do it to check it out? Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> but with the exception of drugs. Um, right. <laughs> so, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, Star Wars podcasts, and they're all, like, sponsored by Tops. And you know how Tops has this totally stupid thing? It's did, you, like, did you start getting the digital trading cards, guy? So Tops has this totally stupid thing called Tops, you know, card trader, and it's just <laughs> like you buy cards, but you like don't even own them. It's like so stupid, you know? Like who would ever like buy these cards and just have them? So like I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm not the kind of person who would wait. Wait a second, I just got to finish this up here. <laughs> I just, yeah, I uh, I got into it. <laughs> so look me up, Kivecast is is the name I chose. Oh, so you, <laughs> Be my friend and trade with me. So you 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 automatically lumped me into that. <laughs> yes, I did. Steve. <laughs> well, because all the other cool podcasts have their own names on the card trader. On the thing. on the card trader, yeah. But this got me really excited, Steve. I'm going to give away my idea. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, yeah let's hear it. What if we did one of these for vintage carded figures? Uh-huh. Right? Let's get down and Priest out there, right? Whatever. Some guy works at Hasbro. You know? Like, what if you could virtually buy toys and one in every five of them or whatever would be a carded figure? And then there'd be the special inserts of like foreign variations. You could have them in, in different condition like mint, near mint, and beater. You could have them loose. You know? You could have like a whole virtual – Vintage toy collection, Steve. Uh, maybe if it's at an extremely uh, discounted rate, it might appeal to the vintage collectors these days. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, you know, you don't actually have to pay for anything on this You don't? Game. Okay, see, I don't know how it works. Yeah, they give you enough credits so you can kind of play sort of without paying. Okay. You don't right. want to pay, but you don't have to. Ah. But gotcha. I actually got into it because of they started this vintage set. With the the image of C three PO from the nineteen seventy seven. Oh, set. all right, okay. And I thought, well, that'd be cool if I could get. I actually thought that'd be cool if I could get a vintage Chewbacca card on my phone. <laughs> it, it like weasels its way into your brain, and you all of a sudden think it's a good idea. So, <laughs> look for Kivecast. Be my friend. <laughs> trade me uh, Chewbacca's and B wing pilots. Actually, I don't think there's a B wing pilot. No, Steve. no, no, no. I I, I don't think so. They've got lots of other things, you know. Yeah. Like lots of different Jar Jars, and um, Rick Oley's got a card, but oh, yeah. Of course he does. I don't know if Cloud Car Pilot has one. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I'll we'll have to look into that. But So, what have you been up to, Steve, this last couple uh, of months? I see man. pictures of you on Facebook, and you're always drinking beer. Are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, it's 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 uh, definitely uh, recreational. It's not it's, it's not a substitute for anything. No, it's uh, I guess what it is. I've been in Oregon a couple of times, and Oregon ah. is a, a big beer place. So uh, that's probably where that's coming from. Ah, mistake one, Steve. It's Oregon. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I go by Tessa's word on that. <laughs> yeah, it's Oregon, just like it's uh, Brisbane. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they do. You know, I was actually on a trip to Oregon that I started <laughs> drinking good coffee because after I was there for a ah, week, I was like, okay. man, I can't drink this machine stuff anymore. And I got <laughs> myself a French press and a, a grinder. 
So Oregon does change the way you like things. That's true. And so uh, you I were say, just, uh, yeah. I say to everyone there, go Oregon. I'm totally in favor of your wonderful state, Oregon. <laughs> uh, you just were in Europe, though, right? You had a you had a, a nice little European jaunt. I was. It was yeah. uh, it was pretty amazing, actually. I, I've been trying to think how I can tie it in with a show. Um, I met with Stéphane Foucault, which is yeah, really right. exciting. Uh, we met near the Bastille in in Paris, and uh, we had like these really strong drinks, and I ate this like insanely good food. And I didn't even see his collection. It was kind of like the time really? I, I went to Sweden and I didn't see Matthias's collection. Um, no, because he lives a little bit on the outskirts. Okay. And like, I left my kid with my f- friend who doesn't have kids, so she, I knew okay. she was good, but I wasn't going to be like, "See you tomorrow." Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was just great because what's cool is when you meet like old time collectors who are you know super legit, and he's just never listened to our show ever. I mean, and, and he, he doesn't. I don't care, and he doesn't care. But he's just yeah, yeah. he's just like I have never listened to the show. I'm like, hey, all right. So if you ever do listen, Stefan, I hope you enjoy. Um, <laughs> thank you for the dinner. But it's another good example of of what makes this hobby so much fun is just getting together. And we talked about you know life and love and art and stuff, but mostly we just talked about Star Wars. Yeah, see, I figured that was the case. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. just a lot of fun. Although right, right I should on. have planned it better because there were other people I would like to have met. Yeah, and then I spent a lot of time in Belgium, Steve. Okay, so I wasn't sure if you were just just in France or if you you went around. So okay, no, and I think it's actually time that we impart some knowledge on this podcast, Steve. Yes, yes, we've hit about ten minutes, right? <laughs> yes. So, Steve, do you know why Clipper is what it is? Um, not necessarily. I mean, I just know about the the country association, but what what's the the deeper meaning here? Well, it's like. Americans have everything really mixed up, and for good reason. That whole region of the world is very confusing, and it's not really clear, like, who speaks. Do they speak Flanders or Dutch? Or mm-hmm. Is Flanders Dutch the same thing as German is Dutch? Are the Germans Dutch? What is, what's Holland? What are the low countries? <laughs> what's a Luxembourg? Like, there's all these questions that you there have. Are many, there are many, many questions, yes. But it's cool because if you travel through Belgium, like we did, um, Basically, Belgium is two countries smushed into one. Okay. So there's two halves. There's Wallonia, which is in the south, and they speak French there. Okay. And then there is Flanders in the north, where they speak Dutch. Right. Of course, they basically call it, they can also call it Flemish. It's probably a little bit Uh, different than the Dutch they speak in Holland, but it's similar enough. Okay. So first of all, I went to... uh, to the to the north, I went to to Flanders, and it was really funny because my son was just walking around. I was going stupid Flanders, quoting Homer Simpson, <laughs> but it was true because I was all excited to speak French. You know, here I am, I get I get to be in a French speaking country. But yeah. if you go to Flanders and speak French, they look at you like you're a jerk. Oh no! But if you speak English to them, they're like, okay, fine, and they'll easily speak to you in English. So there's that great of a cultural divide. Just so you huh. understand that it's you know we call it Belgium, but it's a really divided country made even more confusing by the fact that its most important city brussels mm-hmm. is in the middle of flanders but they speak french there <laughs> just in just in brussels yeah just in brussels oh, and that's why man. the european union's there i think because like belgium's not that powerful of a country it's been manipulated and destroyed by germany and france and then it's this weird little country this yeah. little part so clipper toys are really fascinating so when you see all those languages right when you see 
the English of the original and then the sticker on top of it that's in yeah. French and in Dutch. That's the whole story because ah, then they could right. also market those to Holland and sell those in Holland because it was written in Dutch. Okay. So it kind of speaks to this whole region and all these different histories of commerce and map drawing. So oh, that's awesome. what I can, I can bring to the world that there's like a whole – it's kind of like looking at um, – you know, because the, the bilingual laws in Canada were passed in the late 70s, either 76 or 77. I'm sure okay. I'll be corrected here soon enough, um, <laughs> thanks to Levesque. And so it's cool because Star Wars toys, you know, they when they're bilingual and they have the, the, the little bit of French there. Right. Like the country was really just starting to do that. Yeah, it's uh, right on the cusp of that, that change. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like history of language as is seen through Star Wars toys. Uh, that so. sounds like something that you could uh, write a book on. <laughs> yeah, it could be. That's why it says preems and gratuit. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, my my measly attempt. I mostly just got really into Asterix and Tintin. That's the main <laughs> thing that I did. Which, yeah, by that the museum way, did look awesome. I, I, I should say that, that if you like Tintin, okay, if you know anything about Tintin, forget that. If you like graphic arts, like yeah. comic books... The Tintin Museum is, without a doubt, I mean, it's one of the best museums I've ever been to. It's in the middle of uh, of Wallonia, in this little strange, like, prefabricated town. It's a beautiful museum made by his widow. They have okay. all this original art. And, like, Hergé, the artist, he has, like, this really, these really clear lines. And, it's, and you just get to see all these amazing uh, artifacts of his art, like the very first pen and ink from the very first Tintin drawing, that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And it's all just there, and it's mixed in with stories and maquettes and... Um, as far as like collectors and pop culture go, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's almost like the dream that you could have something dedicated to a pop artist, have it be so serious. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I saw the pictures and it, it it looked like a cool place to to see. Yeah, um, although again, it's a little bit tricky because Tintin is outrageously racist by today's standards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I, I'm I'm not a big Tintin aficionado, but. Uh, yeah, I guess I wouldn't be surprised based on the <laughs> the yeah. era of publication, right? So, yep. Yeah. Um, so we are going to be calling up Ron later. Right. So I, I think when we get to the – I want to sort so, of save my figure thoughts for Ron. Okay. Sure. Um, just because we've talked about the sculptor of that before. I'd like to talk yes, about that with yes. him. Yeah. Um, and I will also explain the television commercial that dis- that shows why he has such a crooked arm. <laughs> Because th- there is an answer to that. All right, I cannot wait for this uh, analysis. <laughs> and I- I'm afraid that the movie thought is just it's just too simple. And I think we've okay. even talked about it before. And I think even Ron brought it up before. Yeah. But just the just the uh, just the design of the of the <laughs> we of have the twin pod. Yes. <laughs> it's it's the strange thing that I've noticed because I listened to the to the two commercials for twin pod related stuff. Yeah. yeah. And in the early days, they really hit the twin pod cloud car over and over again. This is, this is the one with like Leia Bespin and and Lando. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And and like the, the announcers like the twin pod cloud car. Right. And and it's this funny thing where I never noticed until I was doing research today, Steve, my trademark (laughs) is stupidity that the cloud car pilot actually was originally called the twin pod cloud car pilot uh, up until That's a mouthful. The, yes up until the up until the 48 back that that was his name 
was the twin. So in parentheses, once again, whatever's in parentheses is always good. Yeah. Uh, twin yeah. pod and then cloud car pilot. Huh. Which, did you know that, Steve? I didn't know about the, the parentheses thing, no. Yeah, yeah it's like I've always just called him CCP. Oh, right, yeah, right. But that's yeah. his nickname in the, amongst the cool collecting kids. So it really <laughs> should be TPCCP. Um, See, that's just uh, – <laughs> even that's a mouthful. <laughs> I, I, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I need TP for my CCP. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, oh, man. That, that's but, – uh. <laughs> But just how much they needed to emphasize the fact that it was a twin pod. I don't... Right, right. This just means you need to get two pilots. Maybe that's... It's like, all right, you need, you know, I don't know, the emphasis on the, on the double. I don't know. Interesting. And then that leads to my re- revelation that I'm making literally right now. Okay. I believe this is, along with the escape pod, the only time the word pod is ever used in a vintage <laughs> Star Wars item. That sounds right. I'm just trying to think if it's like fitting into any weird like mini rig acronym or uh, I don't know, Steve. We always get at least one thing wrong in an episode. Yeah, well, might as well <laughs> let's let's say let's target that as our yeah our, our glaring error for now. We we got a lot of time left though. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this is uh, Sky here again. Uh, it'd, it'd be pretty cool if someone out there in the whole uh, world of uh, you know Photoshop could make like a new logo for us based on the the tops card. That says Twin Pod Cloud Car Starcraft. Replace Starcraft with Podcast. Replace Twin Pod Cloud Car with uh, Kivecast Vintage Pod. And then in the upper left where it says Empire Strikes Back, have it just say the Star Wars Collector's Archive. And then just have the, the, the Twin Pod there. That would look cool. So I'm going to put that out there if someone wants to do it. <laughs> so we are kind of like a Twin Pod, Steve. We're both in this ship together. <laughs> the, theoretically, one of us is steering, or neither of us are steering. Right, uh, right. See, who, who's captain on the cloud car, man? It's got to be. There's got to be some designation, I guess. <laughs> well, that's the question: is who's driving? Uh, yeah, who, who's shooting? Uh, but <laughs> uh, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny. I was looking as far as the design of the thing goes. I remember seeing an old sketch, like Macquarie sketch, where it was originally just one little pod and then there was a weird sketch where it was like a siamese twin so it was still like one thing that had two diverting windows on it that looks very bizarre i'll have to send that to you um but then it just it's weird it's like a evolution it like just kind of spread apart in the two things but yeah it's <laughs> strange yeah and you you showed uh you sent me an interesting uh coloring book Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, this is the, the Empire Strikes Back pop-up book, which is, this is going to make me sound like a complete, like, pansy, but this is the only way I could, like, digest the Empire Strikes Back as a child. I was too scared of the movie, so my parents got me the Empire Strikes Back pop-up book at, like, a used, like, bookstore. But, uh, the, I, so I love this thing. I, I got it, actually, I picked up a new copy when we were up in Seattle, but I noticed that on the page where, like, they just show Cloud City, kind of like a shot from the movie, but they use the like original or not the original, but an early design where the cloud car is blue, um, and that's what's on this pop-up page. And all it says is "Cloud City appears quiet." <laughs> and, and the only feature is you pull a little tab, and like four more cloud cars pop up out of the clouds. But I just thought it was funny because I, I didn't, you know didn't make that connection as a kid. Obviously, they used this blue image that I remember seeing much later. 
But uh, right, yeah. yeah. So was that is that a Macquarie painting? The, yeah. the original blue cloud car. Right, right. Yeah, I'm pretty. Sure, I'm almost dead certain it's Macquarie. And then uh, writing that sort of thing that they'd use in episode two that they yeah. stole from the French artist Mobius. Uh, <laughs> right, it's kind right. of this flying sea whale. Yeah, yeah that, that's the other thing about the cloud car. Is it? Is the cloud car pilot the most seventies of all Star Wars I, toys, Steve? I'd, that will I'd be our question I, for for Ron and for anyone else. Yeah, uh, we, we're trying to have Joe show up today. We don't know if he will. Is it the yeah. most seventies, Steve? I, I mean, uh, this is kind of. I know you want to talk about figure thoughts later, but my introduction to this thing was at a comic shop in Reseda, and I had never seen one of these on one of the card backs. I just didn't have a card back back from when I was a kid. So I didn't know what the hell it was. I'm like this, I mean, I guess it looks star Wars. So I assumed because of its funky look that it might've been from the first movie. I honestly had no idea what the hell it was. <laughs> I find out until years later, but I'm like, Oh, it's, it's in the star Wars bin. And it, it says, you know, Lucasfilm on it. I'm like, Oh, yeah, it's just strange. It's definitely seventies looking. That's, that's for sure. I think it's that orange. I guess during the 70s, yeah, yeah. people liked that kind of warm orange um, and even kind of like off yellow. Uh, yeah, so I think I – was, I was trying to think who he reminded me of. He kind of reminds me of Mo Green from The Godfather. Um, <laughs> you know, or like he's wearing blue blockers. You ever see those sunglasses? They have commercials for those. Like they're, they're like these big yellow sunglasses. Called- I mean, the, the, yeah, the goggles are definitely like <laughs> – yeah, I don't know. They're not, they were like on the cusp of being not Star Wars to me. Like, I'm like, this is not quite right, but eh, I'll, I'll go with it. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, good. Well, we actually have to get to our interview soon, Steve. Yeah. So what I would yeah. like to do is just do my Sky Coups. Okay. And the first one will be my sort of a movie-related one. Okay. And uh, I've basically already said what it's about. <clears throat> <laughs> through clouds, through planet. Who is piloting this ship? Two cockpits, two wheels. <laughs> oh, so existential. <laughs> yes. And then here's my figure, Skyku. All right. Arm bent, yellow gloves. Jumpsuit white like winter clouds. Creamsicle helmet. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he I makes me want to eat a creamsicle. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's funny. Um, I mean, seriously, if you could eat it, right? If you could just take a cloud car pilot figure and eat it, I, what would it taste yeah. like? I would say cream. I, I guess I can. I'm like picturing him serving ice cream now, like in Cloud City. <laughs> he does, <laughs> you know, his the crook of his arm. Yeah, does, he could hold a, a, a an ice cream cone. Exactly. I, I mean, it's made yeah. for his communicator. Right. All right, so that's our next thing is can you find a, a toy ice cream cone and put it in the cloud car pilot's hand? <laughs> yes, yeah. Because I think that's what it's really for. It's, it's an ice cream. Yeah. It's a twin pod ice cream truck. <laughs> oh, oh Ooh, From dude. Kenner, the twin pod ice cream truck. Wow. Oh, man. See, and then you, got, you go down the rabbit hole with the ice cream maker guy on Cloud City. Like, Cloud City was just... <laughs> right. it's just all right. I don't know if we should... We should stop there. Maybe. Yeah, I think we should. Should we, should we do a script flip? It's getting really, really hot here. Flip the script. Flip the script. Yeah. What, what, okay. do you have to, what could possibly be said? Is it about, is it about the, the Cloud Car Pilot or, or not? Yeah, even? it's an actual line spoken by a Cloud Car Pilot, which is tough to find for some of these... <laughs> Now, does, do they have lines in the movie like I see one or is there they, an actual line? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, so this scene that I'm going to refer to is when the Falcons first approaching Cloud City, and they got, I mean, I guess I'm assuming it's the Cloud Card guys, because they're kind of tailing them, and, and then they end up shooting at them as they're first coming up on Cloud City. And the guy says, you know, land on platform, yada, whatever. Uh, so, but in, in this version of the script, it's a revised one from Lawrence Kasdan, uh, so he gives him the whole instructions to land on platform, whatever, and then, so Han says, yeah, okay, and then the, the cloud car pilot responds, then follow us in friendship. Any aggressive move on your part will bring about your destruction. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to which 3PO replies with the classic, you know, rather touchy, aren't they? But, like, that line, when I just read it, like, it just sticks. It's, I've, I've always bring these up, these kind of funky, <laughs> right. you know, like, sci-fi just kind of jabber. But I'm like, man, that, that's, I don't know, it's not the vibe you get in the movie. It's more of a... Yeah, no, it's much more subdued than that. I just like the, you know, any aggressive move will bring you see, about your destruction. You see, I like follow us in friendship. Yes, it's I both. It's, it's the it's the, yeah, it's the balance of both of those. Otherwise, if you're not a friend, you're destroyed. Follow us yeah. in friendship. Awesome. Well, Steve, we have more movie thoughts. We yes. have more figure thoughts. We have lots more information about the interestingly bizarre cloud car pilot. I haven't even gone on a long diatribe about is this the worst card back in the in oh, all man, Star see, Wars as well. These I, are, these I have are all questions. Too. Yes, yes, yes. But first, there's a new book coming out dedicated to vintage Star Wars cards, uh, yes. not, not to the card trader app and we're going to be talking to the author gary gerani or gerani what do we think steve i'm gonna go with gerani i think gary gerani okay don't know that yeah it's uh gary gerani g-e-r-a-n-i Great, and he's the author of a new book that's coming out uh, in like I don't know a month. When's it? When's it coming out? It's a good question. It was uh, I think it was originally scheduled to come out uh, right around this time. I, I, I think uh, because of some contract or whatever, some final signings or whatever they they had to do legally. Uh, I think now it's. Um, it may not be until November, but don't quote me on that. You're just the author. It's going to happen in the next few months. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's a book all about uh, vintage Star Wars uh, cards. And not only is he writing the book, but he actually wrote the cards themselves. Uh, so that's, that's very exciting. So you were saying you, you wrote most of the captions. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. The way it worked was I started uh, – I was hired – on staff at, at Tops when they were uh, still in Brooklyn. Uh, they were a Brooklyn company for years and years and years. And uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, you know, and Tops was always legendary to me. You know, I was, oh, this great candy company that's in the neighborhood. And uh, eventually I got, you know, I was hired as a, um, as a writer and a creative developer and, and whatever uh, for their new product development department. And because I was a big movie and TV fan, I wound up being the guy who um, was kind of in charge of all the movie and television adaptations that we did into card sets and, and, and sticker albums or whatever, you know, kind of little thing that we did, trading cards being the most famous thing that Topps did. Um, and in the early 70s, I guess I started around 72, 73, right around that time, there really weren't many um, 
TV shows or movies that were really, really kid-friendly. They were kind of boring, the, the original things I worked on, like the Waltons and Adam 12. I mean, give me a break. Right. right. But, but, but in the mid-'70s, that started changing, uh, mostly due to Fred Silverman and ABC, you know, with the Fonz and then Three's Company and Welcome Back. All of a sudden, these kinds of properties became kind of fun for kids and happening right around the same time. So getting around to 1977, 76-77, was the whole Star Wars thing. Now, there were a number of people up at Tops, myself, Lem Brown, whatever, who were science fiction fans. And we were big Star Trek fans, the the, the TV show Star Trek. Right. Right around that period, also in the early 70s, Star Trek had made a big comeback in syndication. You know, it, it was just sort of did, did kind of crappy ratings on the network, but once they put it into syndication, it became this phenomenon. And so we at Tops kind of approached the powers that be at Tops. Oh, we'd love to do some some retro series of Star Trek and all that. So we did a beautiful set. We tied them with Pounder. You know, it was, it was, one of, it was one of my favorite sets that I had done up until that time. Covered every episode. It was really, really nice. Um, but it didn't sell. Because apparently Star Trek was still kind of a cult thing, and the people who loved it loved it, but the mass market world that Tops was in with you know candy counters across the country, whatever, it didn't quite hit the kid audience, because Star Trek was always, I guess, a little a slightly more adult, even though kids did get it. Right. Right. Then all of a sudden, they, you know, 20th Century Fox uh, hits us with a new movie that's coming out called Star Wars, and, uh, you know, Lem Brown and I go crazy, wow, this looks great, they sent us pictures and everything. And, uh, but I was like saying, oh my god, if Star Trek didn't do it for us, it was like 1976 we're talking about, right at that exact time, Star Trek, which is already famous with Mr. Spock, and the, uh, what is this movie that's gonna come and go? What kind of traction is that gonna have? And, and on top of that, how are we gonna convince the powers that be at Tops, meaning Arthur Shaw and the president of Tops, that we're, you know, if we're just coming off of a failed star something series, right. now we want to buy this thing out of left field, right? So it was a very, very, very hard uh, sell, but what, what what was happening, fortunately, around that same time is that the buzz on Star Wars was beginning, and it was um, uh, becoming clear that in the screenings and the showings or whatever, that there was something here that people were getting very, very excited about, and um, ultimately, Tops did, you know, listen to us and, 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 and took a shot on it. And uh, and I guess you could say the rest is history, right? right. Uh, I was ecstatic. I mean, it was like, oh, we got it. Oh, great. You know, uh, and uh, what began then is, is uh, wow. I mean, I, I was kept very, very busy um, uh, because we did, what was it, five uh, different series on right, the first right movie right. uh, and what, what would happen is I would get a bunch of pictures or go to California uh-huh. their their whole operation because I was, I was we were still in Brooklyn at tops at the time the whole operation in California it was it was very funny I mean basically the Lucas people were working out of a little trailer or a little whatever across the street from Universal and Lancaster <laughs> Boulevard and all that yeah. and they were just like this little makeshift kind of kind of kind of little cottage industry thing there and it was very cozy very nice it was it was kind of like the fact that this thing hit so big took everybody by surprise and it was kind of exciting even just to be you know doing Italian product to Star Wars at that early stage um, our trading cards and the Marvel comic 
or, or I think like the earliest uh, uh, things that were licensed from from Star Wars, um, Marvel also saw the uh, you know took a chance and, and saw mm-hmm. the potential there. Uh, so I would wind up you know going down, getting friendly with the people there, hanging out, you know, selecting whatever slides, whatever images they would they would show me, and I would make a selection and uh, thread it together and, and you know do a card set. Well, it was such a success that we had to, I had to keep going back for more and more and more and more. And unfortunately, huh. the material that they that was available to me at that time, uh, they didn't open up everything to me. So that was <laughs> yeah. second, yeah. third, fourth, third, became incredibly redundant. Uh, <laughs> very often with the same shots are almost just, you know, if a guy whose head is turned a little this way or a little that way, it constitutes yeah. a new shot. You know, it was like, so I, I had to use whatever. I guess. And that was an age with technology where you couldn't, you know, really do right. blow-ups. Of, so there, there were no uh, special effect shots other than one or two token ones here and there. You know, uh, it's so funny, the difference... But I, I think at the end is where your is where your writing gets more dynamic, probably to make up for the like because in the beginning it's like Luke Skywalker, Chewbacca the Wookiee, and then when you get to like series five, it's Chewie gets riled. You know, <laughs> Luke Star Warrior. One of my favorite roar of the Wookiee. Yeah. Oh, roar of the Wookiee. I'm desperately trying to like figure out what to say, and and, and yeah. you know, part of it is also we, there was a little concern here and there that everybody. Wanted it to be very simple and easy to go out the door. I believe in in in, in the original sets, we had those puzzle backs too. You know, right. we as opposed to having text on the back of every trading card, X amount of those card backs were made up of puzzle pieces that formed a big photo or whatever. So you'd only have right. like maybe a couple rows of of text cards, like maybe mm-hmm. behind the scenes stuff or generic character profiles of everybody. Uh but it took us a little while before we suddenly said, why why waste the backs of all these cards with puzzle pieces when we can do the same thing with the puzzle pieces on the backs of the stickers? Right. And give people their their fix if they want to put together a nice puzzle out of a photo. God bless. Well, at the same time, we can write full text for for the backs of the cards. By the time we eventually got around to the Empire Strikes Back, a couple of years later, uh, I, I believe we were at that point where all the puzzles were on the stickers and not on the backs of cards. Right. But in the 1970s seven sets it was all done with those puzzle backs limited limited text uh and the first the book that we're talking about that's coming out uh in the next couple of months uh is based on the 1977 into 78 sets that we did for the original movie only so it begins, it's basically covers all five of those sets. The first one, which has got the blue border with the little flecked star, white stars, and then you have the red and the orange and the green and when the, whatever the heck, you know, the different color <laughs> borders that we had. All right, this is Sky interrupting again. Um, I just, he was sort of saying all the colors in, in different order, and I thought it would be instructive to sort of say it very clearly the order in which the borders came out. So it was blue, red, yellow, green, orange. So five total series in the Star Wars 1977 tops cards. Blue, red, yellow, green, orange. Blue, red, yellow, green, orange. 
Uh, a way to memorize it is this handy mnemonic device I just came up with. Bantha's really young? Get out. <laughs> Bantha's really young? Get out. Blue, red, yellow? Green, orange. All right, let's get back to Gary and some actually interesting information. Uh, and uh, But I've also written for Abrams, um, I have to keep this clear, for Abrams, the publisher, as right, not the director. Abrams, uh, <laughs> I get this all the time, uh, um, separate books on all of the card sets. I, I, I did one on uh, The Empire Strikes Back, a whole separate book on that, and then a whole, I finished a whole separate book for them on Return of the Jedi. Uh, and then I did a whole, yet another whole separate book on them on our Star Wars Galaxy card sets, which were basically oh, yeah. uh, art sets, yeah. you know, where we where right, we got right. to interpret the characters and when, all, all that kind of when, stuff. When Star Wars Galaxy came out, that was one of the things that got me back into collecting because I saw oh. those cards and I was like, <laughs> ah, there's yep. finally something out Star Wars that's cool, Isn't worth that buying. Cool, you, you, and you, you I know, the you whole know set what happened on that? And again, back. this is all this is all explained in the book when you eventually get it. All right. that is that. Um, yeah, that was because the whole world of the direct sales comic book world had opened up, and mm-hmm. it, it was no longer you, – you could create things directly for the fans and for fan sensibilities that were better products, so they were really aimed at, at a particular uh, group, as opposed to doing mass market kid products, which always had a – you know, were never quite like that. So by the time we got around to Star Wars Galaxy, we were creating things with the fan sensibility in mind, and that came after, you know, Marvel Comics had, you know, had, I don't know, one of our competitors had tied in with them and done some really beautiful Marvel painted cards and all that. And I remember we were saying, you know, we, we are very creative in our own right, and we can certainly uh, take our 800-pound gorilla, which was Star Wars, because we still, we still had a relationship with them, and do something genuinely interesting. And, and I remember thinking, I, I designed the Star Wars Galaxy set to be kind of like a like a book where it was sort of okay, here's you know, the theme is art, but it's art used in the creation of the movie, like storyboards, production art. It's art uh mm-hmm. uh um you know, used in all the licensing tie ins and all the other art that was created in comic book covers, all that kind you know, and, and then art that was totally brand new that was inviting the top illustrators of the day, both in the comics world and in, you know, the outside world, uh, to interpret their favorite characters, maybe do scenes that they wish they had seen that had never been done and all that. So it was a great way to, to you know, from an art perspective, to take a total look at the Star Wars experience. And so a lot of people said, wow, this is more than just a, a bunch of pictures. Right. There's a real, there's some real thought behind how all that was put together. Uh, so I was very, very proud of that. And Star Wars Galaxy, um, I even came up with that name because I remember we were discussing, so what were we going to call it? the Star Wars universe? It was like the Marvel universe. And I'm thinking, no, 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 galaxy. Yeah. Galaxy is a Star Wars word, you know, and that was accepted very quickly. Uh, and, it, you know, it, we did many other Star Wars card sets. Right. I, I basically, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I was sort of the, the 
editor in chief, if you will, of all that stuff, because I was I was doing all those things for Tops at that point, and the guy who wrote the text for the most part. Obviously, when we started getting into deeper into Star Wars, we brought in other writers to work with me, people like Stan, uh, Steve Sansweet, other really knowledgeable people. Right. Uh, but for the most part, it was my job to kind of you know, uh, edit these things, write them, and art direct them, you know, I mean, to to bring in great artists and then to work with those artists to come up with really cool ideas, uh, which made my job a lot more interesting than just writing text, you know. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the Star Wars Galaxy thing opened up a lot of really cool ideas, Um but, and it actually spawned a Star Wars Galaxy magazine that Tops produced. Right, which, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, which they produced. And then one of the people who's often on, who's actually coming on the show later tonight used to write uh, articles for Star Wars Galaxy. So it all kind of all kind of goes around go. in, in circles. There you go. Now, are are you ever given credit for coming up with the Empire Strikes Back as the title for the? Because that's that's on a green card, and as far as I know, that's the first usage of the term "The Empire Strikes Back." Uh, Do you, you know? know I, I, you know, the interesting thing is, I, I, I um, that does come up in the book because the way the book works is, I wrote a very lengthy introduction overview of the whole thing, recounting how all the stuff I've been you know, just mentioning now, right. uh, and then I do a commentary on the cards. Not every single one, but a lot of them, right? right. Uh, yeah. And I seem to recall that particular, when I bumped into that again, I said, did <laughs> I come up with this, or was that title floating in the air? Uh, it's typical of the type of title I would have come up with, <laughs> right. because it's yeah. basic, right? You know, if you look at the other captions. Uh, but I have a feeling... I have a feeling it was mentioned. It was in the air. Okay. Uh, you're, you're too humble to take credit. We'll give you credit. <laughs> we're, we're, we're unleashing this on the world. We're interviewing the man who invented The Empire Strikes Back. And, and, and the man who really confused... It's possible. I, I, I have to I say... Actually, I would actually... You know what you'd have to do? You'd actually have to find out exactly when it was that title was announced, okay? Right. Uh, you probably could find out when Lucas, you know, when, when that was announced. And then we get to the date to when that set, particular set where I right. mentioned the title was. <laughs> I mean, we, could, we could probably get to the bottom of it that way. But, uh. Right. Well, I mean, you also, I remember a card that used to always confuse me, uh, also in the green set, uh, Luke's Secret Yen for Action. And I was smart enough to know that yen was Japanese money, but I didn't understand what any of that meant. So that's uh, well, 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 well. well. <laughs> I don't know if that if that term is used, but when you have a yen for something, right? I know what it means uh, now, like, but I, I was I was you know only three okay. years old. Yeah. So I'm a guy from. I, I mean, my version of that coming from a guy who grew up in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn, was I have a wooly for something. You know, <laughs> a great desire, a kind of a special nutty desire for whatever this thing is. When right. you have a yen for action, you have a yeah. I mean, Luke was you know always a guy who was couldn't wait to get in his right. in his spaceship and start blasting away. And, and then but, speaking uh, of of Luke and kind of Mark Hamill, I don't know if you've probably seen, but there's been this huge resurgence of your cards, not just because of the the virtual thing, but because Mark Hamill is known for signing his cards and writing funny things on them. So I, I, you've seen these, I imagine. Have you? 
I, I haven't really. So what, what is, he, is he? I think I, I somebody sent me one of the cards that had something funny written on it. I said, well, they just mm-hmm. kind of deserved it. Oh yeah. Well, it's. I mean, there's <laughs> a lot know, of really I funny that Mark things. Mark Harhammel was doing this as a regular uh, funny thing. Yeah, but, it's. Uh, uh, it's. I have to. I have to find. Yeah, there's uh, there's definitely a write-up that has a good like. I think dozen or so of them that it's just it's pretty funny when you right. <laughs> when you go through. It's not really making uh, fun well, of the cards. Oh God but. Almighty! I, I, see, I never <laughs> expected years later for these these <laughs> captions to be under a microscope this way. Yeah. Uh, thank God the most infamous card I ever did with C three PO's erection has a very very innocuous kind of like C-3PO in parentheses, Anthony Dow. It wasn't anything, <laughs> any caption that could be reinterpreted as something unsavory. But, uh, but yeah. Now, the other thing I noticed with the cards is that I think at um, Disney World, they have these giant billboard recreations of them. Right. And you could, huh. yeah, you could, you could, you could have people take pictures of you standing next to a giant version. I laughed. I said, did they do the C-3PO? <laughs> <laughs> I think that one, I wouldn't mind standing in front of saying, yeah, okay, my proud work. Right. Now, now uh, do, you, do you address the C-3PO erection card in the book or no? Oh, yeah. I have, I've been asked about that. you got to remember, I have, I have, the world can decide what this really means, but I, I have written and edited more trading cards than anybody in human history probably. I'm still doing it. Right. I still make money doing it. Uh, and uh, I... I I've been, out of all the cards, the hundreds and hundreds of card sets and damn things I've done over the years, the thing I'm asked more than anything is about that particular card. Right. Uh, obviously, because it was, you know, and I've actually written articles just about that card. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and, and how it all happened. In the book, of course, once again, I lived through exactly what the situation was. And I'll just very concisely tell you, I mean, it was, it was, it was no big deal. I was continually going out to California to try to squeeze out more pictures for our next series. And ironically, one of those times when I was out there, I guess maybe for the choosing images for the last set or whatever, I get a call in my hotel room saying, Gary, what kind of picture did you put in the set? What are you talking about? TTPO, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm saying, what are you talking about? I, I, you know. Well, the bottom line was, I didn't, I didn't notice it when I selected the picture. The Lucasfilm people didn't notice it when they gave me the picture to select. And our own art director didn't notice it when he printed it. But in the second it got out into <laughs> yeah. the world, everybody noticed it. So when I, when I finally saw it, I said, oh, my God, I can't believe this got by all of us. Uh, and, uh, and then I believe they airbrushed out the offending appendage and they put, put it out, another version of the car that was uh, less controversial. Uh, uh, you know, so that's that's the the whole story there. It was a simple uh, oversight, and and uh, all of us, I guess, could be blamed for it. Um, well, it's it, it's funny because I mean, <laughs> I I didn't I owned that card, and I never I don't noticed it because I was just a young kid. And mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's part of what I like about the card so much is that they really were, at least for me and people my age everywhere like they were ubiquitous everybody had a drawer with these cards uh, all over the place and sure you had the makes toys me feel, makes me makes me feel good to know that you know especially that first set yeah with the blue borders and the little little right, white yeah. or whatever it was almost like 
part of the experience of seeing the movie when you were a kid for the first time to having those cars. It was like linked to that. And there's a nice little glow around that set because of that. Believe me, I've done so many sets that are more sophisticated, that are better. The best, if you really want to see a state-of-the-art Star Wars card set, Star Wars Wide Vision. Okay, I created Wide Vision years later to really do Star Wars Wide. So let's have a long card and for the first time put the full anamorphic widescreen image and on the back have three or four stations of information, the, 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 the storyboard to show how this image, where it came from, other pockets of information. No, just something really incredible. So to me, the, uh, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the Star Wars Wide Vision set on the original movie right. is the set, okay, is the one that I would say I am most proud of creatively. The original 77 set is the one that has all the nostalgic, oh, my childhood attached to it. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which is fine, you yeah. know. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very pleased that, you know, a lot of people had this stuff and loved it. And I can, I can tell you kind of a funny story. My, my brother, who's also on the show from time to time, um, I have three brothers, and we all had tons of these cards, and we were visiting my house and uh, one of my other brothers found a pile of top Star Wars cards, and he was dividing them and giving them to everybody. And my, my, my brother goes, don't give me Lobot. He's like, okay, here you go, Sky Chewbacca. Here you go, uh, you know, here you go, you get this. Don't give me Lobot. You get this, you know that. And then the very last card, he gives my brother Bart the card that says, Lobot's Task. And... <laughs> He gave it to him and he said, from this point forth, every gift that you get that is related to Star Wars shall be related to Lobot. And, and I, as a collector of toys, I've bought him pre-production items. I've bought him comic books. He is one of the world's primary Lobot collectors. And it's all because oh we were sitting around in my house 10 years ago and he's like, don't give me the Lobot card. And he got me <laughs> Lobot's task. And uh, I, 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 I must say, no, no, that's uh, it, it's, it's amazing, you know, the things that trigger this or that. I yeah. mean, uh, now Lobot, actually, that's uh, from Empire. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah that, that's, yeah. A, that's an Empire yeah, yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. Just, just keeping my movies set here. Right, right. So it's, he often does uh, work for me on this show. And I'll just be like, come on, Lobot's task. Lobot's task. Keep at it. Do your task, Lobot. I'm like, okay, I'll do my task. But, and, That's great. That's and, and, great. And two, like, the, the cards were also a way of learning. I know that, you know, I didn't know what a Sith was until I saw the card. Um, I certainly didn't know that, you know, the gas was Tibana gas, except on the oh, back of the card. Great. Okay, so so that was that was useful to you then, yeah. Yeah, well, because uh, how would you know Usually we were pretty generic, but but every now and then uh, we would we would get specific with words like that uh, and have to make sure that they were correct and <laughs> the correct spelling of Wookie, which in the beginning was, you know, everybody was only putting one e at the end of it and all that kind of thing. Right. Uh, yeah. Then there was I a was set curious. where we had a spread. I think it was the third series, was it? Or was that, that we had a scratch in little TNs after the name. Uh, that, that's right. That, take a look at that. That's hilarious okay. because yeah. that, I've never. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> they weren't even like. I mean, they were just like these little scratched in TNs that look like a kid scratched in, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it was interesting because the Lucas world there and their organization and even the legal side of it, they were all. It was all evolving at the same time, and right. we were all kind of growing up together with that stuff. Uh, so they themselves weren't sure what was right and what wasn't right at certain points. Uh, yeah, there's some there's some some material there that I know over the years. 
when I was writing in the book, I would say, oh, yeah, at this point we all thought this was this way, but it really turned out to be something else and that sort of thing. You know, this is great. I can tell that uh, these books are going to be really fun to have and look at and just sort of <laughs> yeah, appreciate and kind of connect in the stories and not just go to the C-3PO card like, like people often do. Now, are, are you, <laughs> are, are you, yeah, are you know, at all yeah. involved in the, the, the current uh, digital card thing? What's your, what's your take on Steve and I were talking about that. I thought it was the stupidest thing I ever heard, and so then I, I joined up on it just to see how stupid it was, and then I got hooked. Uh, so it turns well, out I was, I, I was uh, <laughs> yeah I wasn't even aware that Tops was doing it until I um, last time I was down there when I was visiting a few months ago uh, on, on some other projects that I was doing including limbering up for doing uh, uh, The Force Awakens and yeah, uh, yeah. they told me about about what this whole thing was and I met with the people there and uh, I thought, oh, this is cool. What the hell? You know, I said, if you ever get to a point where, you know, you need some text or you need anything even <laughs> beyond what you're doing here, let me know. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess they're doing fine with what they're doing, and God bless. You know. Well, what got uh, me into it was when they started including the vintage cards. I'm like, okay, well, now I have an excuse. I'm a vintage collector. I can try to find – I still haven't gotten one. I've opened up, I don't know, a couple thousand <laughs> packs, and I still haven't gotten one darn vintage figure. I mean, fi- uh, vintage card. <laughs> so what did they do? Did they just do reprinted uh, cards of the original ones every now and then? Well, yeah, that's like yeah. What if yeah. you buy enough, in theory, if you buy enough, one in every 77 will have one of your cards, <laughs> quote, remastered. And it's it's got the cool, yeah, like, cool. Uh, C-3PO packaging art, you know, that, that's on the front of your book as well from the original mm-hmm. blue, blue mm-hmm. border. Mm-hmm. So it's all um, – the term that we use on this show is vintage exploitation. So it's like <laughs> trying to, like, get us back to the past by making things look as much as it can like that, and that's it, you know. We've done that a few times. I worked on a couple of, 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 of retro sets that uh, where we used our old borders, our old designs, and yet we put. Mm-hmm. I think we put the the new trilogy in the same designs as the old. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, we, we tried every conceivable yeah. crazy. Oh, I, I bought variation. those too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I still have three thirty-five millimeter prints of the original three Star Wars movies sitting in my closet that I've been cutting up and using for frames for top sets for the last 15 years, 20 wow. years. Uh, at this stage of the game, everything has gone digital, so it's kind of, it's, it's now it's kind of like just cut up old prints. It's really kind of useless. Right. Well, well but, Steve, uh, Steve is, a, is a film archivist, so he, he, uh, he may be getting a little bit upset here. You okay, Steve? <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so that's uh, that was pretty much that. I mean, it was a very um, exciting period because Star Wars, you know, uh, in general, was changing the world of pop culture, and uh, it really it, it, the success of the Marvel superhero movies today you could trace back to what Star Wars unleashed big time. It really changed the whole summer movie adventure fantasy kind of kind of movie and. Uh, you know, living through that as it was happening was really great. I mean, we felt we were a part of it, and to some degree we were, you know, because yeah. as, as I was saying, those cards are so linked to the experience of seeing the movie for the first time. You had to have collect something that was related to it, and the cards were there. And, and I remember thinking, rationalizing, well, normally I would find this ludicrous giving people cards that where the images are so similar to other images and other previous cards and all this <laughs> that we've done, the redundant aspect. 
But then I was thinking, even like a fan collector myself, and I was thinking, God, I would like every photo, every picture from this movie, you know, uh, and even if it's a little similar to other, whatever, I'm collecting photos now, and the more the the more I get, the happier I am. Yeah. So, yeah, it was different than the average property, you know, you, you could sort of get away with it. Right. Um, now, how, how close was the first set to the release of the movie? Very close. Yeah. We put that out... Light speed. I mean, it was it was out. You know, within God, a couple of months of the uh, month and a half of the film's major, you know, big release. And so you'd started uh, developing it before, or pretty much it came out and you scrambled. Or? Well, well, we were we were like I say, the, uh, Fox had approached us and sent us um, stills and other materials. So we had all, we were already pitching internally to do it, and and. Uh, we had prepped as much as we could, and then it was a matter of, will we get it? Once Top said, okay, we're going to go for it, then there was a whole period of, will we get it? Because if memory serves, and again, this was covered in, 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 the, in the book, right. um, uh, I believe Kenner was uh, connected to, uh, had a, some kind of connection to one of our rival trading card companies, I guess it was Donruss, and it seemed, I said, oh, my God, you know, and, and somehow they dropped the ball and we were there. I mean, we were in there pushing earlier, okay, and we were the leader, uh, you know, Tops was the leader in that kind of field, so we were given a certain amount of respect to begin with, um, but we we lucked out. We got it at a point when... Everyone knew how big it was getting, and even so, we managed to get it, which is like, wow, all right. right. You know, I never thought we would at that point, you know. And um, and then it was like, okay, we got we got the best thing in the world here. Wonderful, you know. Right. Uh, a hell of a lot more interesting than doing Adam-12 cards. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, the Waltons, you see how I tried to, in, in, you know, get some drama into that. That was well, well, we'll have to look that up now. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, already just looking at all these all these cards, I think we're going to start a new thing. We're going to have a card of the month with a different uh, a different <laughs> caption that's interesting or fun because just going through these I mean like Leia looking at the at the at the battle saying who will win the final Star War Star War I yeah. mean, is that the, the only time it's ever singular, like singular? <laughs> I think it may be me just straining my poor little brain <laughs> Sky here I actually had to stop myself from disrupting the entire interview to give one of my favorite quotes from the Arrested Development TV show in which Lucille says to her adopted son, here's some money, go see a Star War. Here's some money, go see a Star War. Which is what this card reminds me of. Here's some money, go see a Star War. And then the card, who will win the final Star War? Uh, yeah, the, funny, <laughs> the funny thing is, by comparison, those captions are ingenious in comparison to my Charlie's Angels captions, <laughs> which were the most ludicrous, you know, three happy angels, two, the angels say their prayers. Oh, my God. And that also went to five series. Uh, uh, I remember talking to the Star Wars people saying, uh, we're going we're gonna to go to the biggest series. You know, nothing has gone this way. Well, I hate to tell you guys, but Charlie's, uh, Charlie's Angels, Jesus, you know. So actually, that was a tie, because I believe we went to five sets with Charlie's Angels and five sets with Star Wars. Uh, wow, there's a lot of stories in here, I tell you. 
that. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, I've done hundreds of movies and TV shows over the years, so, you know, era by era, really starting in the early 70s and the 80s, you know, and now, of course, you know, the stuff has gone crazy now, although, you know, I'm, I'm, even though I'm still doing this stuff, uh, I'm kind of winding down as a human being a little bit. <laughs> so luckily there are other people out there that are keeping this uh, interesting legacy going. Yeah. But, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll still do Star Wars to- uh, cards for tops as long as I'm kicking. No, no, no problem. Now, are they contacting you to write cards for the new movies or? Oh yeah. I'm kind of, Basically, I was on staff with them from around 72 to um, about 97. Uh, I moved to California in 1990 and became Tops West. What excitement. I kind of represented them out here for a while. And then when we got into the comic book world, and it was Tops Comics. I was the West Coast editor of Tops Comics. So I was still, I was always connected to the company, even when I was no longer on staff uh, from 1997 to the present. I still was the go-to guy uh, to write and edit all their movie and television tie-in things. So if Tops put out anything along those lines, usually I was the guy that that did the work for them. Uh, so yeah, it's whether we're talking about Star Wars in '77 or Batman in '89 or, or Spider-Man whenever that came out or whatever, uh, not to mention a whole bunch of things in between that 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 bombed because the movies bombed, you know, Return to Oz or you know, <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors and, and, and the, you know, oh, now, God. Now, now Tops of... didn't do the Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club band with the Bee Gees, did they? Was that you? No. Okay, good. Because no, those I were mixed we in with that. my Star Wars cards, and I hated them. Every time I'd get one of those, yeah. I'd rip it up. I hated it. Barry Gibb. I mean, Tops, oh. Tops, Tops does have a proud history with the rock and roll stuff, too. I mean, I myself... Uh, Remember doing a Cindy Lauper series and new kids on the block. Oh, and the great thing like uh, Menudo. Now <laughs> that was a great one. But but <laughs> some of these things are like who? What was that? Uh, but Tops also did Elvis and the Beatles, so they had the biggest you know people along those lines. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, we're going to continue to to publicize your book uh, even when you're not on the show because I really can't wait for it and it seems like it's going to be really fun especially when you have them sort of all lined up have all the movies and essentially have the entire cards in in book form yeah, so you don't have to yeah. worry about the it's going to be cool and, right yeah, yeah. I, I, and also according to Aaron we'll see how far they go with this but you know we've been talking about even doing maybe you know books on card sets other than the Star Wars franchise you know there, there were so many you know, I said hey you could do a, a book on our Planet of the Apes cards you know we did the original movie we did the TV show we did the Tim Verma you know there, there are like so many different pop cultural things that, that fans are interested in that we did that would, would be nice to have between two covers and a little history of so who knows you know right. I, may, I may yet have to deal with all those horrible Charlie's Angels characters <laughs> to come back to haunt me <laughs> I looked those up they're not so bad <laughs> my favorite my favorite in that there's a shot of Farrah Fawcett with her mouth open, looking as dumb as possible. And I think I, I call that Jill gets a brainstorm. <laughs> 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 so after all, you know, as you're writing, whatever, you begin to get a little punchy. You're not even aware anymore if you're doing self-parody, if you're just going crazy <laughs> as you're writing. <laughs> Jill gets a brainstorm. Oh, that's great. Oh, I see it, was, it right it was, here. It was, yep. it was happily approved, and, and everything went fast. It was fine, so what the heck. 
Uh, excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's, uh, this, hey, it's been, been great. Yeah, thank you. All right, it's Sky here. It's now Sunday. I'm back to editing. Took a little break. My kids and I have been playing a lot of uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time together. It's hard for me to get that song out of my head. So maybe we could memorize the order of Star Wars 1977 card borders with the song from Zelda. Blue, red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, green, and orange. Do, 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 do. Maybe not, Sky. Okay, you know what would be better than me talking? Steve and I talking. Go see a Star Wars! Blue, red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, green, and orange, and orange. Blue, red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, green, and orange, and orange. Bantha really young. Bantha really young. Bantha really young. Get out. Bantha really, Bantha really, Bantha really young. Get out. Get out. You know, I've apologized for things I've done on this show before. But I will never, ever apologize for my Ocarina of Bantha remix. Actually, um, I'm sorry. That was terrible. <laughs> I'll go unpack. Here's some money. Go see a Star Wars. Hey. Steve? Yeah, can you oh, hear me? Man, that was awesome, huh? That was that was great. Oh, yeah, I didn't ex- I didn't expect him to be so excited to talk and share everything. And yeah, and now I've yeah, got to track was... down all these Charlie's Angels cards. Yeah, <laughs> it's got everything. It's got humor. It's got like hot chicks. It's, I mean, it's great. There's there's Jill's brainstorm. Is also Jill gets an idea when <laughs> she looks really dumb there too. There's one that just says a cop in hot pants. Yeah, that's my new thing. So send, you know, let me know. Kivecast at gmail.com. Just send me all your Charlie's Angels uh, collector cards there. (laughs) Um, I don't know how we're going to work that out. But I did get Uh, a a text from Ron. I think he's chomping at the bit. Should we just finish the rest of the show in presence of uh, Mr. Uh, R.A. Salvatore? Yeah, I think that sounds like a good plan. Hey, Ron, it's Sky. Hey, what's hey up? Ron. Is this a, a, good, a good time? Yeah, I'm just surprised. It said private number. Usually it says Chivecast when you guys call. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, it's a private number. You know, we, we dance when you want us to. <laughs> all right, man. What's up? <laughs> we just got off the phone with the guy who, like, did all the captions for, and, like, designed all the tops cards. So... Oh, cool. That was awesome. He, like, talked for so, yeah, 45 minutes. The old school Tops cards? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. How would you get hooked up with that guy? Uh, Tweeter Duder set us up with him. Oh, that's good, man. Yeah, he's coming out with a book, and he was just chatting and just happy happy to talk. Yeah, that was, uh, that was really, really good. Yeah. You guys yeah. are, like, big time. Uh, that's us. And it was cool because he was also the guy who came up with the idea of having a Star Wars Galaxy card set and then the Star Wars Galaxy 
magazine, and then I said, hey, the guy we're going to have on next used to write articles for Star Wars Galaxy. And I was talking about you, Ron. C-3PO boner card? Of course. <laughs> of course. He, I, well, there's actually, like a, a new revelation that came up about that. that. I guess no one's talked about that. Well, what, what's that, Ron? When I was at Chris's house in May, Steve Denny was there, and he had um, actual uh, like file photography that came from Lucasfilm. And he got it from a Kenner guy, and the the transparency from Lucasfilm has the boner on C-3PO. Yes. Which would mean it's not Topps' fault. It's Lucas, nope. Someone at Lucasfilm did that. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and th- that's actually explained by Gary. He said that? Yeah, well, he explains. Go. He would just go out to, like, the West Coast and just, like, take pictures and then just put them on the cards and then just put it. So it was just kind of like oversight on all parts, but... It will well, be noted, I Steve. I didn't Lucas ask him directly, right? I never asked him directly. Someone modified that thing to give him a boner, though, yeah. because it's like that's not like an accident. If you look at Steve's transparency, it's clear like <laughs> someone went in there and did that, but it originated at Lucasfilm, and Topps just got screwed because they didn't pick up on it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. uh, well, so our our plan, Ron, uh, is. Well, I'm sort of recording now, so I may keep this or may not keep this. But basically to have you on for most of the rest of the show, just kind of chatting, kind of third chair stuff. Well, at least need to get to the, the vintage uh, vintage theater. Oh. <laughs> That's the most important. Yes. The most important. <laughs> That's the most important oh. part. So, uh, Ron, we're thinking about the Cloud Car Pilot. Uh, yes or no, he is the most 70s of all Star Wars characters. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say that he's the most dated outfit-wise of anybody in that line. Yes. Can you think of who he... I think he looks like Mo Green from The Godfather, but um, I actually did a side-by-side. I don't know if it's that close, but that's what I think of when I see those glasses. He looks like like a really effeminate roller derby queen or something. Oh, hey, that's... Something about the helmet and the goggles. And, and the colors, the pastel colors. He just right. needs the skates. He just needs the skates. And then that... <laughs> what I love is that you're a really effeminate roller derby queen. When roller <laughs> derby is by women anyway. So, but this is an effeminate roller derby. Well, most, most roller derby women. queens are pretty, pretty, you know, tough. But yeah. not the cloud car pilot. He doesn't seem yeah. very tough. The, cloud, the, the twin pod cloud car pilot is a lipstick he roller was like, derby. He was in the touch roller derby league. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah well you uh, can definitely bring it so this is uh, the sculpt is by the same guy who did the Luke Hoth right yeah I'm pretty sure I mean it seems, we're not allowed to say his name because there's certain people who don't like his name said but it's the the, the contrapuntal uh, kind of can't stand him up move yeah he um had kind of a a real desire to add a lot of I guess realism to the lion, you know, it was kind of the anti-Bill Lemon because he didn't want straight up and down, tightly organized figures. He wanted them to be kind of posed in, you know, natural stances and whatnot. And the cloud car pilot definitely fits that. Yeah, we we, we were discussing that his hand is perfect for uh, eating ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and he looks like a creamsicle. So we sort of think of him as the the creamsicle pilot. That's yeah, uh... yes, yeah. I'd, I'd buy that definitely. Yeah. Cloudcar uh, Pilot seen... is just a nonsense character that was not even hardly in the movie. It's like 
It is his like little head visible insane. in the cloud car model, and then they kind of just invented the rest of it. <laughs> that does seem to be it. That's it, right? I, I would I would think that that makes sense. <laughs> but maybe uh, no. for the special edition, they've they've thrown in a body. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's funny that he comes with a little com link thing. And it's almost like that scene that Lando picks up that little microphone to announce to all the Cloud City losers that they have to evacuate or whatever it is. It's like, because Lando did that, it's like they gave the Cloud Car pilot a little microphone. But (laughs) that's my theory anyway. Like everyone in Bespin has access to a little microphone to warn everybody. (laughs) Either that or he needed it to communicate with his other pilot on the other side of the car. Yeah, see, exactly. Turn left. Okay. No, I want to turn right. Yeah, I could never figure out why that thing, why does it have two pods? Like, why are they separate? I don't even understand that whole, I don't understand the vehicle to begin with. So, yeah, so that's, that was my theory was that that's why his arm is bent is to hold that comm link. And you're right. It's it seems a chug of brewski, bro. Yeah. Yeah, that too. <laughs> Arm wrestle, but, but if you watch, <laughs> I sent you guys a link to uh, to the the commercials that we're going to to uh, do in in vintage commercial theater. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Oh. And in the second one, you actually have the cloud car pilot. It's really cool because if you watch it, he lifts up his hand to talk into his comm link. Like it's very clear that they were showing you exactly <laughs> how you're supposed to play with this. Yeah. Um, play being in quotes. Right. Right. <laughs> and uh, so in this particular commercial that we're going to reenact right now, um, I've taken out the, the the Kenner parts. It's just pretty – I can sort of – I'll do the description of what's happening. But Lobot talks a lot and the entire conversation is between the cloud car pilot and Lobot. <laughs> so uh, Steve, you'll be Lobot. Um, Ron, right. you'll be – okay, but you're a cloud car pilot. But the cloud car pilot in the commercial is played by a young – Willis Jackson type, so kind of. These a are like young... the two least likely characters to have a conversation with each <laughs> yes, other. Exactly. This is like yeah, Buster yeah. Keaton having a conversation <laughs> with your, your local mime or something like that. <laughs> okay, Sky here. Um, I'm actually just about to publish the episode. I was listening to it again, and I realized this was really stupid. It was. Uh, well, I mean, Ron and Steve's part was fine, but I did all this, like, overdubs, and I made it super dramatic, and ah, it's not that funny. So uh, that left me a little bit of space here in the podcast, because I can't, like, move things around without it getting all messed up with the sounds. So I'm just going to talk a little bit more, and then we'll get to vintage theater. Um, I am curious, uh, at gmail.com or just put it in the in the comments, do you think that that the vintage theater uh, has an idea. It's just sort of my way of trying to come up with something interesting, a way to look at the commercials, because I think there's some funny stuff in there. Uh, in particular, this episode, we'll spend a lot of time with the, the the end of the episode, the end of the commercial, where he says something mysterious that isn't quite understandable. The commercial opens with a strange view of the cloud car pilot model. Then a hand is moving the cloud car pilot through the space. A boy says, See it, cloud car pilot reporting, sir. A young boy comes into focus with a white sweatshirt and a big black afro, and he lands the cloud car pilot next to his friend, who is playing with Lobot. All right, Lobot says. Make your report, pilot. 
The camera zooms in to Lobot and the cloud car pilot having a discussion. In response, the cloud car pilot says, Lobot, a rebel aircraft has just entered Bespin airspace. Now here's where Steve is going to win an Oscar for the most excited Lobot impersonation. Sound the alarm. That was Steve saying, sound the alarm, in case you couldn't tell, because he was so excited. (laughs) Anyways, then the camera does this cool thing where it zooms in on Lobot talking to the cloud car pilot. Lobot lifts up his arm, and then as the arm lifts up, the camera follows it into uh, a sort of close-up of the cloud car pilot, whose bent arm has the communicator, and the communicator moves up to his mouth. So you can tell that it was bent that way because of the communicator. Attention all security personnel, red alert. Lobot responds. Guard is landing pad secure. <laughs> then next month's figure, the Black Bespin Guard responds, yes, sir. And then you see a shot of the cloud car pilot getting into the cloud car. And he says these mysterious lines that I'm going to say to Ron and Steve. Robopath intercepted. And the commercial ends uh, with them... Su- sort of going off with the cloud car going off into the woods. Yes, sir. Robopath. Intercept it. We are ready for anything. Now, you'll hear me say the word robopath, okay? This is because there is something that is said, and I'm going to play it over and over and over again on the show. And you tell me what are the words that he's saying. Maybe you guys can hear it. Maybe not. One second. Yes, sir. Robopath. Intercept it. Yes, sir. Robopath. Intercept it. I don't know what it is. Sir, Robopath, intercept it. We are ready for anything. So in that in that episode, you see that the 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 black Bespin guard says, Yes, sir, Robopath, intercept it. Cloud car pilot reporting, sir. Wind pod cloud car and action figures each sold separately. Alright. Make your report, pilot. Robot, a rebel craft has just entered Bespin airspace. Sound the alarm. Attention all security personnel. Red alert. Guard, is the landing pad secure? Yes, sir. Bubble crap, intercepted. We're ready for anything. Twin pod cloud car, new cloud car pilot, and other action figures each sold separately. Contender Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back collection. So that is vintage theater for, for today. <laughs> I got to remember not to do it with you two guys because you guys don't like doing vintage theater. <laughs> I just just bad at it, and then when you just think of when you look at this, and you, it's just, I don't know how exciting it's, it's, it looks in the commercial. Yeah, no, that's maybe that's what I needed to watch the commercial again to get inspired. But I'm just picturing like a table read of this, and it doesn't really pan out right. Sky here. Um, to be fair to them, the only direction I give is slower, less intense. Um, I'm actually going to interrupt here. We were about to get into the news, but uh, it's now Monday. Um, I played the Zelda song for my kids. They made me play it four or five times. They liked it very much. Blue, red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, blue, red, yellow, green, and orange, and orange. Still a good song. Anyway, um, what I'd like to do now is interrupt and have our interview with the two mega collectors of the Twin Pod Cloud Car Pilot. They both happen to live in Sweden, 
although I think they live on different parts of Sweden. Um, one of them is legitimately a rock star in Sweden. The other is Matthias, who is legitimately a rock star among collectors. Uh, so it'll be kind of fun to talk to both of them. Uh, I don't really know much about Christopher, who's the, the rock star. Um, and obviously we know Matthias quite well. So this should be an interesting interview. And it's going to be at 9.30 Swedish time, which is in about mm, three minutes. So I'm going to get Skype set up. So after that interview, we will have the rest of the show. But let's talk to two people from Svenski. Like a ship out on the ocean Lost all rate of motion Navigating into the storm Waiting for the sea to come Well, I am on the phone with Matthias and Christopher, who are all the way in Sweden. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. Oh, great. Good. Cool. So, as as always, I before we get to the Star Wars characters, I always am curious by geography. So, are you guys both in the south of Sweden? Where are you, Christopher? I'm in uh, in Gothenburg. Gothenburg. West okay. coast. West coast. I'm a little north from Matthias. Okay, so that's like halfway up the. I mean, what is Sweden? It's like a sock, kind of. I don't know how you would... What, what shape is Sweden? Uh, well, if, you, if you include Finland, there uh, will be like... We have to beat the whole show. Because, like, it would get a <laughs> different shape with Finland included. Oh, like, I see that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sock. yeah, that's a nice one. Yes. But halfway down the shaft, I guess, is where Gothenburg is. Yeah, Okay. pretty much. Okay, that's cool. <clears throat> Matthias, you're, uh, you're still down all the way in the south? All the way in the south, yeah. That's cool. You know, Matthias, I actually just started rereading uh, Hamlet. Oh, so, you did? Yep. And for those of you who don't know, Matthias lives across uh, the water from Hamlet's castle. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I took my son there, like, last weekend. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah. I bought, a, like, a skull for him to have in his room to, like, to be or not to be skull. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, uh, that's amazing. Great. Yeah. Well, great. Well, I think, um, I mean, there's there's a lot to talk about. So we've, this has turned out to be a pretty long episode, and we don't talk that much about the cloud car pilot. And, and most of what we've said, I'm afraid to say, is not entirely complimentary. So I, I wanted to talk to you guys. First of all, so, so Christopher, you are also a cloud car pilot uh, focus collector. Would you yeah. describe yourself? Yeah, I, at, at least I used to be. I haven't been into uh, the collecting business the last couple of years that much, but I'm, I'm still a member of everything, and I'm still I still have the the stuff up in the in the on display. Uh, but I haven't bought anything for a couple of years. But I'm starting to uh, look out for uh, the stuff that I miss. Right, and so, and what was it that that brought you to? I guess that this could be for both of you. Is there something Swedish about the cloud car pilot that none of us see? I don't know. I mean, for, <laughs> for, for me, it started when I was a kid when I got the the actual action figure, and I, I just 
I didn't even know it was a Star Wars figure because I, I had a had a bunch of other figures, uh, but this I, I'm, I'd never seen in the movie or anything, so I didn't know what it was. But I, I just thought it looked cool, and I actually thought it looked cool. I, I used the uh, the, uh, the comlink arm as a salute, you know. Ah. <laughs> We've had a lot of discussions about what that's for. Uh, I was thinking it was for eating ice cream. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Could be that. Too. <laughs> uh, so, so he'd sort of salute your other figures. That, that's really funny because uh, Steve, yep. the, the co-host, he also said that he had a cloud car pilot and didn't know it was Star Wars either. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw it on the on the back of the of the card back, so I, I figured that it must be. But I, I don't know what it was with it. And and then when I decided to uh, like focus on something, I just it was just immediately like natural for me to choose that. Cool. Uh, and then so so you're from what Matthias said, uh, you're mostly into the the sort of production items. So are, are you trying to get sort of everything that was actually made for Cloud Car Pilot? Yeah, that's what I'm aiming for. Like everything vintage with production vintage things for the cloud cloud car pilot. I used to. I started collecting the pre prod stuff. Right. Good luck. Yeah, but then then I figured out that Matthias has everything. So yes, I just sold him. I sold him stuff. Back back in the day, you had like uh, awesome uh, pre-production stuff. I like. I I was the middleman from like um, selling pre-production stuff to to focus guys in Sweden, like uh, Christopher, uh, Frederick, etc. Right. I think a lot many of the Swedes like back in uh, what was it, Christopher? Like two thousand five, maybe. Like Um, a lot of people start to do character focuses. Right. Yeah, uh, it was like a big, big boom in Sweden, like everywhere else, I assume. And uh, well, uh, so you you beat me to the club car pilot. I actually blame Brock for having my focus or actually run. He started it all by selling me one of the quality control samples. So I don't have the childhood thing. I have I have Brock to blame. Okay, yeah. so so this is an interesting question. You don't call it a focus; you call it a run. This is one of yeah. my favorite debates. Why yeah. is it not a focus, and why is it a run, Matthias? Because I'll be showing pictures here, um, up on yeah. the, up on the site. There's a fair number of things. I think most people would call this a focus because it has chromalins and proofs and QC samples and photographs and stuff. Yeah, I, like that. Okay, the cloud compiled run. Maybe I should say it's that's a, like a pre-production focus of the cloud compilers. Uh, okay. Maybe a run would be for like only like three D character kind of thing. Uh, I don't know what happened with the cloud compiler, but yeah, maybe it's like a pre-production focus. Right. Okay. Yeah. That, but that, I would classify yeah. it as a run. I still do that. I'm still in denial that I have a focus <laughs> on the cloud compiled. Yeah, um, maybe maybe a, uh, that's the thing for me as well. I have a run, uh, uh, like a production run, current right. production run going on. I don't. Well, I don't collect everything. Like I don't. I'm not trying to get everything actually with the the cloud compiled. I just want all the carded. Right. Games. 
So, so in terms of the the carded figures, are there ones that were particularly hard to find uh, in your in your experience? Uh, uh, yeah, well, of course, the Lily Lady stuff and uh, and the the hybrid, the, right. the, uh, the Return of Jedi. Uh, the Canadian I, sticker, yeah, the, the right. Canadian sticker. I have yeah. I have a couple of Canadian sticker ones, but but uh, the uh, the tree logo the hybrid thing. Oh, I, oh, okay. Wait, so wait, I don't. You know exactly tried to find that for you, like for at least two or three years, uh, because yeah. you had some a fur shot head that I really wanted, and like <laughs> maybe I could get you the the hybrid tri logo one. But that was like impossible, and I okay, think yeah. the UK pod guys they rated it like rarity number six or something in the trilogo uh, scale, rarity scale. Yeah, I actually had a, I had actually had a, an offer to buy one a few years ago for like three hundred bucks, but <laughs> I, I, I didn't do it. That's Stupid. good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh! You mean no? Oh, so you had an offer to buy one, not to sell one. No, okay. I see. Buy one, yeah. Okay, so so just I don't think we don't talk that much about trilogos on the show, probably because we're not uh, European. So, Matthias, how would you describe? How would you define a trilogo hybrid? Well, a trilogo hybrid is like with a uh, Return of the Jedi front. Uh, it's almost like a Kenner front uh, without the logo. Of course, like the pedal toy front, and on the back it's a tri logo back. And okay. uh, there but, are very few, a handful of those hybrids that are considered tri logos, despite the front doesn't have the three logos. But the front does have uh, four years and up in every language, correct? Yeah, that's probably correct. Right. right. Okay. So it's all right. So that's that's the. Oh, sorry, my phone's going there. Um, so that's the most. Probably, just... yeah. You're of course correct. Yeah. Right. So then, that's uh, they, the... they have the four. Like I think there are like uh, four or five languages on the front for for the yeah. H thing. Right, but none of them are Swedish, are they? No, no uh, way. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's so. Then that's sort of the 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 grail of production items in general with the, the cloud car pilot, the lady, and the and the and the transition. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Let's, as far as I know, right, Matthias, do you do you agree with that? Yeah, it was a long time ago. I was into pr- uh, production stuff, but yeah, definitely. And among the US ones, I I, I would still rate the forty eight C Dolphalus one as as pretty rare. At least it's very sought yeah. after. The last the last one before return and and uh, neat looking without the offer. So yeah, okay, yeah, because it's it's true. Because if its uh, debut was was what forty five, right? So then it had very few un unoffered Empire cards. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Most interesting. Yeah. Okay, Sky here. So this is where things get a little bit confusing. A tad baroque. So I took out something from a conversation earlier with Ron and Steve, in which I said that the three pack of the Cloud Car Pilot was the rarest production item. I kind of stumped them on this. Then when I was editing a couple days ago, I couldn't actually find any evidence that that was a legitimate production item. So in the course 
of the following conversation. You are going to hear me first laugh at myself for thinking that the three-pack Empire Strikes Back Bespin set with Cloud Car Pilot exists. And then, throughout the conversation, you will hear Matthias come to realize that of course it exists. It just happens to be so rare that I, there's not even a picture of it on the archive. Um, so this is the second wave of three packs from the Empire era in which uh, Lobot was actually replaced by a cloud car pilot. And uh, Han was replaced by 3PO. So uh, that is what you're about to hear. My trademark is stupidity, um, but hopefully it's also honesty. So, uh, listeners to this podcast will not have heard something that I edited out because I was absolutely stupid. Uh, I was talking to Ron and to Steve, and I was saying, do you know what the most valuable Cloud Car Pilot production item is? And they both thought around, and Ron said the Trilogo, which of course is the right answer. But I said, no, it's got to be the three-pack. Because somewhere on the web, I saw a picture of what looked like a production three-pack with the with the cloud car pilot. And I couldn't find the picture again. Obviously, I was just out of my mind because there is no production cloud car pilot three-pack that was ever made. Never but, heard of it. <laughs> right. But so, Matthias, first of all, where did I see that picture? And is it related to the chromalin that's in your collection? <laughs> well, first off, it's not related to my chromalin in my, in my collection. That is the backer. Uh, chromalin um, that's uh, that I have, and uh, there's a mock-up out there as well in white packaging. That's probably more correct to say engineering engineering pilots uh, packaging. So those two prototypes are definitely out there, and there okay. is definitely uh, a Bespin set three pack in uh, limelights uh, with a full three pack set. Right, but not with the cloud car pilot. Yeah. Right, because uh, the Bespin set has Lobot, Ugnaught, and yeah. what, But the Han? second release, Empire Strikes Back, uh, let, let me rethink this. Like, the second release for Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Uh, uh, so it does exist. There is a Cloud Cloud Pilot 3-pack. Or I, I, I looked all over the internet. I looked on the archive. I was trying to figure out, does that actually exist or not? Uh, the the best bin set exists with the cloud car pilot. With the cloud car pilot, but it does. Okay, so yeah. I wasn't wrong. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Am I wrong? You're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. It's just really hard to uh, find the, a picture. Yeah, of? I thought it was like three three cloud car pilots in one pack. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> that's what always gets wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What a dream. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Go ahead, Matthias. Uh, maybe there aren't one. <laughs> I was, like, pretty sure there was one. Uh, oh, Good. Well, I'm glad that I, I'm not the... You're confusing me. There's definitely one out there. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it's called the Bespin set. That's the second release of the three packs. Uh, okay. The, yeah, exactly like my Chromalin with Argonauts and C-3PO. Okay, so then that was my confusion, was the first Bespin set, it didn't have it, then they re-released it, and yeah. it has it has uh, the Cloud Car Pilot on there. Because what, what I loved was the wording on it, talking about Darth Vader's treachery causing trouble for these three. 
Um, and so that's really my question. How does Darth Vader's treachery cause trouble for the cloud car pilot? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm supposed to pressure on these questions. I, I don't think he does. Um, no. Actually, looking at the at the hybrid, it's pretty cool because um, I, I had noticed till this episode that they'd taken away the twin pod uh, from the nameplate. They took that away yeah. in, in Kenner on the 48 backs, but then they reintroduced it on the Trilogo. So... That's kind of I, I, we just were sort of wondering why they were so obsessed with the term twin pod, um, but I don't think there's a I don't think there's an answer to that. They just seem to really like that. Probably, wow. yeah. <laughs> I, I took things really off the rails there with that that three pack question. Sorry, everybody. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I'm 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 still in shock. I, I haven't heard a thing what you said like the last two minutes. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so, that's fine. Yeah, no, you're you're confusing me. So yeah, I know. I, I I apologize, for that, Matthias. That's my I job. I think it's like it's one like the one of the absolutely rarest three packs out there. Yeah. Uh, um, that's that. That's why you never see it. Right. You never see it. Now, do, do you have one of those, Christopher? Uh, no, unfortunately, not. No. So that's that's how rare it is, I guess. Yeah. If, uh, if if two focus collectors don't even have it, but the Matthias has the chromlin of it, which is pretty nice. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty, pretty yeah. neat. That's why I got confused because when you look up on the archive, you only see the mock-up box and that, and so. Yeah, yeah. And the mock-up box uh, or the EP box ended up in a Japanese or no a Hong Kong uh, auction like one and a half year ago, uh, like one of those high-end designer uh, auctions from Hong Kong. So it was really? sold there in a huge lot of three packs. And I haven't been try been able to track him uh, track it down, so it's probably in a like black hole uh, collection in Hong Kong or Japan. Wow! Now, now, what is a, a Hong Kong designer auction? I've never heard of this, Matthias. I feel like you're yeah. introducing us to a new crazy world here. Oh, I think I think definitely Derek knows all about it. There was a cool right. auction with like uh, street art, uh, pop culture memorabilia, all kind of stuff, and a few Star Wars item in there in a big three pack collection. Uh, it was wow, that, like one and a half, two years ago. Oh, was it the bathing ape guy? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. No, we we talked about that a little bit. Okay. I think it was like Christus who sold it for him. They did an awesome uh, catalog, uh, which I right. didn't get either. Okay, so yeah, that that was a little more marky. I was picturing like an underground place with like super rich people like eating oysters off of strippers and stuff. And, <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's. Uh, <laughs> uh, can we make one of those? That sounds like a pretty good option. Um, yeah. So I'm, then the, I'm there. Yeah, <laughs> celebration by Bangkok. Celebration <laughs> <laughs> Bangkok. Uh, sounds uh, sounds pretty, pretty sketchy. <laughs> now, do you guys collect the vehicle as well, or the diecast vehicle, or do you just stick to the figure? Uh, I stick to the figure. I, I started. I, I just bought one boxed vehicle, and I thought that I was gonna get into that as well, but I just quit after that. I don't know why. <laughs> just <laughs> just figured. I'd, go with the figure and and uh, then maybe if i if i get the uh, the stuff that i need that i'm missing in, in my run 
uh, then maybe I will go forward with the uh, the, the vehicle as well. But the the vehicle in itself is just really ugly. Yes. <laughs> It, it is. It's. Uh, I mean, I've spent a lot of time with it this month, so I've actually I started to kind of appreciate it a, a little bit. Uh, I think it's kind I of. I don't cool. even know. I, very symmetric and designer-ish. Very not but, very but, Star Wars, but who's driving? Yes, that is that is the big question. Is is the in the cloud car pilot of Sweden? Who's driving? I mean, yeah. is is it you or? Because I mean, I, I got a picture of both of you guys wearing those helmets. Yep. You know, one of you is in Gothenburg, and the other you is in uh, Elsenborg. And I mean, who's driving the Swedish cloud car pilot? Uh, well, I, I was first, so I'm... There you go. Now, Matthias, you sent a bunch of pictures, and I'll, I'll be featuring these up here. Um, this is a, a pretty astounding uh, pre-production run that you have here. Uh, and, and so the... What are you missing? Because I see, like, if, if we take an example of, I'll have a picture up here of your run of 3D figural stuff. Um, I imagine you don't even have to look at it. You've probably memorized it. So what do people look at sort of from left to right? It's like a painted hard copy, unpainted hard copy, and then a whole bunch of other stuff. What, what is that there, Matthias? I have, oh, I have to look uh, on the picture. Uh, it's, oh, come uh, on, man. It's a painted hard copy, uh, uh-huh. uh, the first one. Then it's the armless, uh, unpainted uh, hard copy. Um, and then we have an uh, unpainted first shot head. Then we have a painted first shot. And then a photo sample. Uh, from Kim Simmons, uh, used on the 45 backs and forward, and then a production figure. I think that's wow. So, I mean, you really do have extra, Matthias. I, I think you should. I think right here on the podcast, you should trade one to Christopher. Just <laughs> they all, you know. all the, the extra is a first shot, and <laughs> that comes from uh, from uh, Christopher. Both of them, actually. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Uh, so I have an extra that uh, definitely was going to be used in a three-part trade that's still going on. You know, one of those, like, oh, right. part, four-part, if he agrees. So it's, like, can, kind of pending, but that's been, like, for probably a half a year now. Or maybe you need to get one more and make a three-pack of... Just first shot uh, cloud yeah. car pilots. Yeah. The best bits. Army building first shot. That's exactly <laughs> how I collect. Uh, that's funny. Um, now uh, it's it's interesting because for uh, this is the second time we've interviewed a a music superstar. So Christopher is a. I, I suppose a rock star is that a term that you use in Sweden? Christopher, wow. would you use that yeah. term yourself? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> okay, I definitely would. Um, I mean, if if you've never heard his music, I would. It's kind of like Elliot Smith, sort of Matthew Sweetie. Are those is that oh, sort thanks. of where you'd put thanks. yourself? Yeah, sort of there. I'm I'm, I'm honored to be mentioned among those names yeah well it's it's been really fun because i didn't i didn't know your music beforehand um but i had a chance to listen to it over the last week yeah and uh, I've, I've really come to enjoy it i actually hate to say it i actually like it more than rick springfield who is the last uh music superstar that we interviewed here oh, but yeah. matthias you got to figure out if we can get uh if we can get christopher to play with rick springfield in sweden can you do that Oh, we definitely should. <laughs> because then they could like get together and have like a whole Star Wars like themed 
event. Yeah. And, uh, Any day. When I looked up your music, what I found was almost all your stuff on YouTube is under a name of Imperial Gunnar. Yeah. And <laughs> all Americans know the name Gunner because there was a band in America called uh, Nelson. And one of the guys' name was named Gunnar Nelson. So yeah. is that you? Is that your like pseudonym? Uh, it was. It was my nick, okay. nick for uh, the the uh, Swedish Star Wars collectors forum online. So oh, was that because if you said who you were, everyone would freak out and throw their underpants at you? Yeah, uh, sort sort of, because uh, <laughs> um, I'm really big in in, in these uh, nerdy <laughs> areas. No, uh, it was just that. Well, I mean, I guess everybody had nicknames there, right? Ex- except Matthias. Right. <laughs> well, you I started think it was Matthias, right? Chief Matthias. Back yeah. Then. Okay. Chief. Echo One, maybe from the beginning. Yeah, maybe. <sighs> All right, okay, so then yeah, you don't I also. Just, I thought it. I thought it was funny. It is funny. Yeah. yeah. Do you, Do you also collect Imperial Gunner? Uh, no. No. Okay. <laughs> Not at all. I don't. I don't so, even like that figure. <laughs> yeah. No. He's He's a bit creepy. So is Is the Cloud Car Pilot basically the only thing you collect in in Star Wars? Uh, I have a. I have some some boxed vehicles, and uh, I have a, a, a few like Return of the Jedi mocks mint on cards uh, stuff and and uh, a few other stuff but uh mostly cloud car pilots right and do you do you also are you like matthias where you go for the play mix and all the swedish stuff no i i've never gotten into that i don't know why but it, i think figure that everybody else is doing it so why should i right <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing yeah, that... left for me anyway these days <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I imagine I, I it's that. more uh, we're thinking like you, Christopher. <laughs> so it's very healthy for my own collection. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, and, and also, uh, I just, in looking up your music, I thought I'd bring up hockey a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so you also wrote a song for a Swedish hockey team. Is that, yeah. is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. So that is Numlo, Numla, Lumlo, Lulo? Luleo. Luleo. Okay. Yeah. So that's where I'm from. I, it's up north. But that's way Sweet. north, right? Yeah, way north. It's above the polar circle. That's wow. that's where I grew up. Okay, so that's where you grew up. Yeah. So, then, we, so imagine we didn't get a lot of action figures up there when I was a kid. I imagine. We yeah. we had like cheap Chirpa and and maybe <laughs> FX7 <laughs> stores. So that was actually my first figure that I bought. <laughs> was it FX7? Yep. <laughs> wow. It's, I'm having this image of just like this snow, this snowy wasteland with like a little gas station with a store next to it and just one FX7 hanging on the peg. <laughs> and yep. then you walk in. That was pretty much it. <laughs> so then you guys are literally from as far away as you can possibly be in Sweden. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. yeah, as far almost, yeah. yeah. And, and when you hear Matthias speak Swedish, do you think it's funny because he has a really strong southern accent? Uh, when I understand him, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you and, even and call it Swedish? 
<laughs> Not really. <laughs> and Matthias, does he have a strong? Does he have a strong northern accent? Is there a northern accent as well? Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of he's he's trying to be cool and speak like more like in Gothenburg and no, he's got a cool uh, northern accent when I understand him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that. Well, anyways, that's I, I really like that song because I like songs about sports and I think it's. Uh, it, it, that's pretty neat. And are they like a good team? Because they're now my favorite Swedish hockey team. Just so you know, they're, so they're, I'm all about Luleå. Yeah, they're the best. This year, they will win the the cup, the Swedish cup. All right. And and Matthias, do you have a team you support? Or they, they can't play hockey down where you are, can they? They're always on the beach, right? Definitely. Have you heard about like hockey in Anaheim? Aren't they like big in hockey? <laughs> yeah. <I guess laughs> so. Can they play hockey in California? Yeah, they play hockey here. Like, yeah. but I'm I'm not into sports at all. Uh, okay. No, my local soccer team, uh, right. occasionally, but no. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I even know if Helsingborg has a hockey team if they have one. But Malmo has H A C. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Malmo is up in the in the first league now. Wow, well, that's, uh, it's just, it's fun to think about, uh, because we have a lot of Canadian listeners as well, and we have a lot of listeners who care about that stuff, so I've never really thought about there being, obviously, you know, I'm from Boston, so I like Louis Erickson, and there's a lot of Swedish yeah. players I'm a, I, I I'm like. a big fan of Boston Bruce. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's a thing that some of our audience loves it, and then other parts of our audience hate it, and they start, like, throwing things at their phone when we start yeah, talking about it. <laughs> let's not talk about sports. Then. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not. Maybe, uh, maybe get back to, to music and Star Wars. <laughs> now, Matthias, did you listen to Christopher growing up? Uh, no, but my, uh, my wife did. And a poster of him and was, like, had a crushing on him. So <laughs> your wife had a poster yeah, of the other it, cloud car pilot collector. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when he was, what's it, the band called? Fireside. Yeah, Fireside. Yeah. Wow. Well, you, you should ask Frederick what his. Uh, I don't know. If, uh, I think it was his ex-girlfriend that had a, a picture of me above her uh, her. <laughs> Bed. Bed. Wow. <laughs> well, no wonder you called yourself Gunner. Everyone must have hated you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Every boyfriend in Sweden hated me. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Now, do, do you ever come and play in America? Uh, been there a few times, but, uh, yeah. well, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, we... You know, America loves, uh, we sort of pick and choose what we decide to like from Sweden. Like, we love Ace of Base, and apparently you guys don't like Ace of Base. Um, and then, like, in France, they love that guy, J.J. Johansson. Yeah. But uh, in America, they don't care about him. And it seems kind of like catches catch can as to what catches on over here. Yeah. But, yeah, well, that would be good. You try to make a tour, but try to set it around the next celebration or some kind of collecting event. Yeah, uh, and, and then you can show up. Now, I, I said I was going to those for Swedish talents, uh, Sky. So, like, if you start to listen to to uh, Christopher, then it will be like a success in a year or so. Yeah, that's true. I can yeah. play at the ce- celebration. Yeah, that'd be that'd be excellent. <laughs> um, especially now, um, I'm also. While I'm, you know, a lot of our audience is from Sweden, and it seems like every month we episode we interview somebody. But I still propagate the horrible stereotype of Sweden as all loving the music of ABBA. 
Um, it's actually all the fault of Matthias because when I met him in Elsenborg, he showed up with a pair of ABBA sneakers. <laughs> and I couldn't – apparently it said Gabbana on them, but all you could see was ABBA and it was too funny for me. So, so that's why his theme song is Angel Eyes. So yeah. at some point, you will be asked, if you do uh, start coming to more events, to perform Angel Eyes, but with all the lyrics replaced to be about Matthias. I um, will – Definitely do that. Okay, because I think the world needs that. Yeah. Because Matthias does have angelic eyes, I think. Yeah. yeah. You don't really have to change that part. He's um, a beautiful guy. Yeah, he is. Oh, um, I mean, they're cute guys. Yeah, I mean, I have a poster of Matthias above my bed, so yeah, that makes you jealous. I, I used to when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. I think probably what's next is the is the Soviet lightning round. Now, Christopher Matias answered this in our second episode, so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to withstand it. Are you ready to handle the Soviet welcome uh, lightning round? I'll do my best. Okay. How would you rank the Star Wars movies, uh, least favorite to most favorite, in terms of the episodes of the movies? Uh, I would say least favorite. Episode one, okay. Then episode two, okay. <laughs> then episode three, okay. Uh, then probably episode seven. We don't know yet, but okay. Ooh, wow! <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> that's a good call. Like, like right ahead of time, saying that's going to be your fourth favorite. I like that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then the uh, uh, episode six. Okay. Then episode four, then number one, episode five, Empire Strikes Back. Of course, because that, that has the cloud car pilot. Exactly. <laughs> and there was no actor for the cloud car pilot, right? Like no, you never the, even saw the, him, right? Just just a torso, right? <laughs> right, just a torso from the model. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, hey, that would be pretty cool if they could do like a, uh, a special edition and just have you guys put in there. Um, that would be awesome. <laughs> and I think, you know, with your influence, you know, as a music star, episode seven coming out, you know, I could see you like Maybe putting on the helmet can... and the goggles. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, if your, uh, if your stately manor uh, in, in Gothenburg there was, uh, was burning down and you could only grab one item, yep. which one item would you grab? Wow. Uh... I have no idea. I would probably just pee my pants and run out. <laughs> uh, no, I, I would probably grab like the uh, one of the. I have. I have actually have a couple of proof cards. Okay. But which is cheating in my run, but, uh, right. but I would probably <laughs> grab one of those, like the Return of the Jedi proof card oh yeah yeah but that's pretty now matthias if just your cloud car pilot uh case was burning up and you could grab one item which one would it be probably the path to force mock-up ah okay so this is uh a this was oh. used for the photography for yeah, exactly. toy fair or was it used yeah. for toy fair yeah, yeah. exactly uh, for toy so, fair. and what uh, was never produced Okay, so it's a Power of the Force proof card. Yep. And then the figure is actually glued on there. Exactly. Wow. 
And you'd prefer that over the over the hard copy? I I think so. It's a tough call. Um, yeah. It's I have a, quite a few nice items, but yeah, well, I never thought I was going to own the the Cloud Copilot uh, Power to Force mockup. So it was, yeah, well. Uh, it's still surreal to have it in my collection. I've like uh, looked at it for ages, uh, um, so it's probably one of those like I always wanted it, of course, uh, but never thought I was going to get it. And is there f- some fun story about how you ended up with it? No, I just paid Gus tons of cash. <laughs> okay, yes, <laughs> so very tragic. <laughs> I'm supposed uh, to trade as well. I I don't remember. I tried to uh, to to forget about it. But but realistically, in terms of value, the hard copy would sell for more than the mock-up. What do you think? Yeah, yeah definitely today. Yeah, most definitely. And the funny thing is, I paid like ten percent of the mock-up value for the painted hard copy. Uh, like almost not ten years, maybe seven years ago. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's much funny. has happened. Yes, it has. Okay. Now let's get back to, to Christopher. Then, uh, do you have a sort of holy grail item? What's the, the sort of the if you could get any cloud car pilot or any Star Wars item? What's the the one that you would most want? Uh, what's that? I would probably say like the uh, the, the the mock up that we just talked about. That would be. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, usually the next question is, do you know where it's located? Um, yeah, which, I do. <laughs> which apparently you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually never I, been to Matthias' house, so I, I, I want to wow. really uh, got to go there. Oh, yeah, you yeah, should, you should yeah. go there. Because uh, I went there before he unpacked, so I didn't see any of his collection. No. Um, but it, it was very nice. You should go there. And then we, uh, Daniel and Matthias had a, a smorgasbord for us on the beach. And uh, it's very funny because it's it's like a stereotype, you know, yep. like, oh, yeah. yeah, show up and have a smorgasbord with the guy in the ABBA shirt and shoes. But it actually happened. Um, yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, uh, and finally, this one is a very difficult one. It takes people a lot of time to answer. So yep. if you were a vintage Star Wars item, like not like what would you like to be, but if you actually were a vintage Star Wars item, it doesn't have to be from your focus, just in general. Yeah. Which one do you think you would be? What's the what's the uh, opposite to Jar Jar Binks? What's the opposite to Jar Jar Binks? That would be uh-huh. me. <laughs> okay. Let's see, what do we th- what do you think, Matthias? What's the opposite of Jar Jar Binks? Oh, like he's like annoying. Okay. Ugly. So, so some uh, handsome and fun guy. Yeah, that sounds like you. But uh, as for Star Wars character, like you're from the from the north. You're kind of a silent kind of guy. But I'm Wampa. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I, I was gonna say I was a cup of Java Java juice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awfully close to Jar Jar too. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I think it makes sense. A Wampa, because you know you're from the Arctic Circle, and Wampas are 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 well loved and and cool, and definitely they're not Jar Jar. No. All right. Uh, let's say I'm I'm a Wampa. All right, that's awesome. And uh, are, are you going to be going to uh, celebration, Christopher? Uh, in, in England. 
No, I don't think so. No, uh, okay. I have too much to do. I'm, I'm releasing a new album in October, and I okay. I'm gonna tour and uh, tour, and I have a two year old at home, and uh, we just moved to a new new apartment. So uh, there's a lot of things to do, and I have a new job as well. So it's wow. uh, I work at the local Apple store. Really? Yeah. Huh. Cool. Congrats. <laughs> Yeah, you should plan the tour and so see. I have a gig in in London in July. Yeah, yeah. just just Talk say to the tour manager. Yeah, well, I'm I'm gonna try. I, I I guess it's sold out already, but it, yeah, but you know Matthias, so he'll, yeah. he'll work something out. He'll work something so, out. So if I can, <laughs> yeah, I will be there. Yeah, uh, well, I'm I'm still trying to figure it out myself. Yeah, um, but if you haven't been to a celebration with people from your country, you're really missing out. I know, um, I know. I, I see the pictures all the time, and I yeah, I really want to go there. And, yep. and thankfully, it's not like the Swedish convention, so it's like we're more <laughs> mature uh, when we're abroad. So really, it's worse at the Swedish conventions. <laughs> oh, you have no idea. Oh, then that's where oh, I need to go. Is is there one in Gothenburg? We should, we should uh, go in Gothenburg. Yeah, definitely and... one twice a year. Wow. Well, maybe I'll have to plan my next uh, my next trip over the sea uh, to go to a Gothenburg convention. Yeah, and you then, should. And then you know, I play a little bit of drums, so I can play drums on uh, Matthias' eyes. Yeah. And uh, perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. You get something going. First, awesome. first time I met uh, Christopher, he was skateboarding in the hallway of the hotel uh, really? <laughs> at, at, during the party. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, wow. it, on, on this this really small Star Wars skateboard, yeah. <laughs> like it, like an old Star Wars skateboard or one of the newer ones. Or? No, one of the new newer ones. Yeah, I was, uh, uh, and I I was pretty wasted. <laughs> <laughs> and their friendship was. Born. That was my first impression. That, that was like definitely ten years ago, maybe more. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah that's awesome. All right. Well, cool. Well, uh, I'm sure there's more to say. I mean, even looking at, at your picture, Matthias, there's just so many things, you know, all these one-of-a-kind proofs and chromolins. So I, I think we better stop now or else we'll be here all night. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, well, thank you so much both for, for coming on. And uh, it's, it's really fun having you know, new voices and... And to have someone else besides Matthias talk is always very nice. <laughs> Please agree. Well, thank you. Good being here.
Clearly, I've really lost my mind. <sighs> Apologies go to Christopher Astrom, uh, who played all the good music that you've heard on this episode so far. Not the bad Legend of Zelda ABBA karaoke abortions. Uh, so, but hopefully in the future, Christopher and I will do a duet in which my microphone is turned off and we can sing Chirpa Eyes in honor of Matthias. So let's get back to the conversation where I left it off last. It is Monday night. Uh, I am actually going to go pick up my girlfriend at the airport. So I'm going to be editing this at the Rochester kind of international airport. So uh, I won't be able to do these little jump-ins. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't. So let's get back to our conversation. So, Steve, what's the news in the Star Wars world? <laughs> there isn't, I mean, I don't know, I, I haven't really followed all that much. There were just a couple things that I'd seen that were going on that I, I thought were, would have been fun to, like, partake in, I guess. Um, the first, uh, there was that, you know, another farthest from in the UK, and uh, Shane and Matthias were both there for, for this round. Matthias was uh, doing a talk on his book. And uh, I think Shane did as well, but uh, I don't know. I just seen that, that that was going on. It looked like looked like a good time. Yeah, um, those always look and, really fun. Yeah. Uh, did you notice there was like a whole like display dedicated to the Bendems in, in that? Like there I was. Did. I, yeah. And then yeah, it's just I, I don't know. I, it was a. It looked like a good time. I always like wish like man, I wish I was there. <laughs> but oh, we should have asked the tops guy about Bendems. Because mm. they put tops cards right. There is a there's well. a tie in there. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And then of course there was um, the party at Yehuda's that you weren't at. Right. Yes. Ron? Yeah. Yeah, I was there. That's right. Once you pop a jalop, you can't stop. Uh, <laughs> and Yehuda, Chris, and I went to a big antique show in Massachusetts. I don't know if that qualifies as news. Absolutely, it does. So you went to uh, what's it called again? Uh, Brimfield, which Brimfield. is like a I've been giant, there. it's like a town that just shuts down and becomes an antique show for a week. Uh, it was, it was pretty cool. And there was like, the inch, one of the interesting things about that there's n almost no vintage Star Wars, which you wouldn't think, but there's so, there was so little that it was almost notable how little there was. Huh. Because I, I went there, uh, probably eight years ago with mm -hmm. my, uh, ex-brothers-in-law and ex-father-in-law mm. and it was 175 degrees in the shade <laughs> and I remember finding a 65 back Vader um, that someone was selling for I don't know 50 bucks mm -hmm. and my brother-in-law at the time was like is that a good deal I said yes and he bought it and I was really excited and then we got stuck in this traffic on the way back and it was so hot and my ex-father-in-law was just telling these stories, and everybody was, like, farting and unhappy. <laughs> and God. I think about Brimfield. I just – it's just like uh, – it's like eating sand. Um, it was pretty hot, man, when we went there. It was – especially on the last day. It was just – we were baking out there. So you went there more than one day? Yeah. You know, we had – we were there. Um, we got there late. One day and kind of walked around when most stuff was closed, and then we spent a whole day, and then we spent like a half a day. So it was it was pretty cool. We spent a while there, and then the rest of the time we kind of just hung out in the hotel and, and drank. Yeah, and whatnot. At least Yehuda right. and I did. That sounds like a 
A typical vintage collector <laughs> gathering. <laughs> no. Yeah, and, and Yehuda, when I went for a walk late at night along the highway when everyone else went to bed, and some, some woman screamed out of her car as she passed by and accused Yehuda of being French, which was interesting. <laughs> well, that's what that drunken text was about. Because <laughs> uh, I was in France, and I got some text. It was like, someone called me, fr- true story, French. I was like, what? Yeah, well, he was wearing his, 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 his you know... His iconic Yehuda hat that he always wears. Oh, which yeah. I yeah. guess might look like a beret, <laughs> but I don't know. Some lady just drove by, and from the distance, we just, just like heard her say, Look at you. You're not French. You're not French. You're so effing American. <laughs> and as she said American, her voice like cracked. <laughs> And he was looking at me. I'm like, I think she was talking to you. <laughs> it was just one of those weird moments. And I'm like, no, I think I think she was talking about your house. But, I mean, it was interesting that, uh, to me, almost, I think years ago, it would be almost impossible to go to a big show like that and not see any vintage Star Wars. But there was one dealer yeah. who had just a few things, and then there was, was like, someone who had some loose figures. But... Very little as far as toys went. You know, I didn't expect to find a lot, but I, I figured some people would have some stuff. Now, we meant to have you on last month. Well, we did have you on last month for an unofficial episode, but not, right. not for the, the AT-AT driver episode. And then you wound up oh. writing a blog post about something we basically were talking about in the show, about the AT-AT uh, playset. So even though oh, yeah. that has nothing to do with the cloud car pilot, why don't you uh, describe what – so as always, we like to talk about what's happening on the Star Wars uh, Collector's Archive blog. Um, and so we talked about this a little bit. Steve, did we talk about the playset or not? I, um, I think it was the, the other, the other playset, but – Right. Okay, so we're talking about the Hoth Ice Planet Adventure set. And this is yeah. We the, were talking about the Rebel Command Center or whatever the the other right. one. Yeah. So this is the other set. Right. So this is a a, a two dimensional uh, backdrop with a cardboard placed on top of it, kind of like the Land of the Jawas set. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can sort of put figures, interact with it, and it's kind of fun. Not, yeah. Not entirely. And we wanted to have <laughs> you on because you have the original art of the backdrop, right. which is a very cool piece of art. And then it spawned this weird series of conversations about Kenner Canada versus Kenner U.S. So, so get us up up to speed, Ron. Uh, yeah. So I have I've owned it for a while. It's the, basically the master artwork for the backdrop um, of that playset. So it's like a scene of Adats in the snow with um, the snow speeders zooming around them and blowing things up. Um, and it's been in the archive for a while. Yeah, uh, but one of the Facebook groups, I guess, the Empire Strikes Back, when they do their collectible of the week thing, and the the Hoth Ice Planet Adventure set, whatever the heck it's called, was the collectible of the week. So I posted that, you know, just for the heck of it. And I think it was Matt Fox brought up the fact that the the Kenner Canada set has a different backdrop. It's slightly different. The art is different. Um, one of the things that's missing is that the guns on the side of the Adat heads. Um, and I'd never noticed that before. I never knew anything about that. And you know, he was wondering how the artwork artwork had been changed. You know, I, my opinion was kind of like, well, I don't really think they use different art. It's just that seems like would be really odd. 
so Kenner Canada must have modified it or something because the positioning of the items is all identical. It was just little details that were different. Uh, so then the, the conversation spilled over into Rebel Scum, and Scott Bradley brought up the fact that um, some of the early models of that place that did not have the side guns for the AT-AT, and that you know he he thought that Kenner Canada frequently got early materials from Kenner, and that you know so out of that conversation basically came the theory that Kenner Canada must have gotten a version of the artwork before it was finished. So at some point before it was done, huh. the artwork I have, a reproduction of it must have been sent to Kenner Canada that lacked some of the details that ended up on the final item. And Kenner Canada used the earlier version to make their playset. So the the backdrop of their playset doesn't have some of the details that Kenner one does. So after it was sent to Kenner Canada, Kenner US must have modified that backdrop. Um, with some extra details, so that's why the two of them differ. At least that's the theory. I think it's probably accurate, um, but it's just one of those little weird observations that you know I'd never thought about before. Uh, and so that's what the blog post was about. I was just kind of recounting that whole thing. So what I'm curious about is the box itself. So does the box show the original art? The box. That's a good point. Um, I'm looking at the Kenner Canada one does not have the guns. On the box? Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to go look up a picture of what the Kenner Canada <laughs> box looks like. The Kenner Canada box does not have the guns. And I don't think the American box has the guns either. Uh, I, yeah, I think you might be right. The question that we're looking at is the difference between the three AT-ATs that are in the back of the Hoth Adventure, Hoth Ice Planet Adventure set. In the American version of the backdrop, there are guns seen on the chins of the AT-ATs. In the Canadian version of these just little drawings on the background, there are no guns on the chins of the AT-AT. The theory is that that's because they originally didn't have guns on the toy itself, and so Kenner got an earlier version of the art, because Ron has the original art and it has the guns on it. So my next point was let's look at the box, the box art, the picture that's on the front with the stupid kids with the bad sweatshirts. And in that, it does not have the, the guns on either the Kenner version or the Kenner Canada version. Oh, the box that I'm looking at now, I can't really make out the guns on the ones in the background. So maybe the box of the American one might use the early art too? Yeah, I would say that the, the photography was done... The photography of the playset uses the older version. This supports Scott's idea. Should For the background one, yeah, but then the, the big ad has it, so right. and it doesn't it, right. on the Canada one, so I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, it could be that the the background one, the Kenner stuff that derives from the earlier artwork, too, I guess. looks like it may. Yeah, so I think the one I have above my couch at one point didn't have the guns, you know, and right. and at some point they added them in because someone either it wasn't finished and they knew it wasn't finished or they thought it was finished and someone would say, hey, go back and add some more details. One of the two things happened, I think, anyway, and that's what the Kenner Canada one comes from. Right. Speaking so. of details, this is some detailed vintage information. 
<laughs> oh, this is going to be great to edit all together so it sounds great. Hey, just so you know, listeners, you're listening to a really slick version of this whole conversation. When we recorded it, it included Ron in the middle saying, you know, you ought to research before you start recording. So, Well, you could have asked me beforehand to go grab the box and I would have looked real close. I like, didn't know I'd have this. It's not my fault I had this brilliant thought that, hey, let's look at the box, you know, Ron? I can't, I can't mold conversation. I can't predict what all I'm right. going to do. You know what I'm saying? All right. Uh, It'll be spontaneous. Yes, spontaneous uh, lightning bolts of clarity. Um, <laughs> so when did people start calling uh, mint on cards mocks? Oh, God. The British guys do that, right? Is it just them? Were there any Americans who ever did it? I hope not. I hope it just ends in England and never never makes the leap. Yeah. You know, it stays there. Because that, that was in some of our feedback. Oh, Steve, I forgot to tell you. I had this idea of integrating our feedback into the show as opposed to keeping it to the end because it's kind of more fun that That's way. That's fine. And so yeah, someone, yeah. someone was laughing about the that you can't correct my pronunciation of ATAT when you're from a country that says mock. Um, <laughs> but I just wonder if that was like the way that they read it or – I, for the longest time, well, at least for the first few times I heard it, I thought that they were talking about mock-ups. And I'm like, why are they saying mock mm-hmm. instead of mock-up? And then finally that dawned on me. I'm like, oh, mint on card. <laughs> like, I was like, does that mean a mint in box is mib or something? Like, I don't know how far you take that. <sighs> right. But you know, you know where it comes from. It's the whole thinking that if you see letters together and they spell a name, that's how you have to pronounce it, like at-at. So, yeah, no, I think it, the reason they say ad is because they say that in the commercials. I think that's why they say ad ad. <laughs> Ron, did you have to shut me down so quickly? <laughs> yeah. I was making a great point that only people who say mock <laughs> should say ad ad. Well, I don't think, I think if they had said ATAT in the commercials, then kids would have been saying ATAT instead of ad ad. Yeah, that's true. Of course, kids did say ATAT. <laughs> it's okay. It's you did, maybe. I did. Because you're contrarian, Mr. Contrarian. I was a contrarian when I was three. <laughs> I bet you were. Actually, I was. I'll <laughs> say I, I don't believe that. <laughs> it's, it's true. I really was. Uh, um, let's see. Should we do one of our normal features and get back to the to the conversation, Steve? Should we talk more sure. about feedback? Like my idea of let's criticize the archive that went over so well. Um, <laughs> what, what do you think? I don't know. The archive. Uh, well, you know what happened last month. We'll get to this, and then and then we'll get to the nugget. Um, All right. Was uh, Ron? You made a mistake in one of your entries, right? Fifteen, Entry? twenty, twenty years ago, and I mentioned it. And no, it wasn't my. I think it was. It was some other entry because I looked at it after. Oh, was what was it? it? The item again. It was the box. It was a box that was called. Canadian that was really Trilogo or other way around? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that wasn't me. Oh. Not that I would care if it was, but right. I remember you'd look, you'd, when you mentioned it, I went and looked up the entry and it wasn't me who had written that. No. So. Well, I never make mistakes, so that's good. Um, but I'm sure there's plenty of stuff that I wrote a long time ago that's wrong on there that hasn't been corrected, but I don't think that one particular one was something that I wrote. So when I raised the idea of doing a let's find faults on the archive, it was tongue-in-cheek, but it's also... The idea was that it would make people go and really pay more attention to what's there because people take it so for granted. It's like a good way to get people to pay attention to something is say, hey, find what's wrong with it because then they'll go through and they'll be like, 
Oh, okay, that's right. That's right. Oh, that's cool. I never noticed that. Oh, that's right. That's right. Ha ha. I discovered this. That's not a, you know, a Canadian box or whatever. So, uh, but it did come across to some of the the people who made the archive, like I was making fun of it, and uh, that is not the case, Steve. Yeah, well, you have to be careful. I guess people put a lot of work into those things, but just the nature of the site is that, I mean, it's been up for 20 years, and there's a lot of stuff that was written 15 to 20 years ago, and it hasn't really been updated. And I, I guess you could make the argument that it should all be updated to stay current, but that's really not... Tenable. Not happen. <laughs> it doesn't really happen that way. So yeah, I mean, there's stuff in there that's inaccurate, but you know, it's not the end of the world, yeah, I guess. So I just thought of it as like this fun thing of like a way to appreciate it is to find what few errors there are. But it came across as being like, look at this stupid old site, which is, I, I think people who listen to the show know that one of the primary goals of the show is actually to talk about how great the site is. So that's, that's fine. But yeah, I, I think I, you I do that. I did need to address the, that, uh, we're not going to have a, let's find the errors on the archive. Segment. Right, Steve? No, no, no. <laughs> All right. In that case, uh, let's... as long as we're not pantographing a soft copy, we'll be okay. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, snap. Let's talk about a nugget. Tis a nugget. From the archive. Tis a nugget. Oh my god, they're gorgeous. From the archive. Oh my god, they're gorgeous. Okay, so uh, last month I made reference to my favorite toy being a whale that birthed a little whale out of its San Diego, as someone <laughs> mentioned in our comment section. I'm sorry, I forget who made that hilarious joke. Um, because I used to feel like the the start the, the diecast Star Destroyer was giving birth to the Tantive Four when you take it out. Um, and so I guess we're kind of on a diecast <laughs> riff here, Steve. So you found this nugget. What is the original concept model for ESB diecast vehicles. <laughs> All right, so what, what the archive entry consists of is, is really just photo, you know, photographs of these things. Um, I don't know if they still are around or not. That, I don't think so, but I don't know about that anyway. But um, on the archive entry, we've got an image from uh, a catalog, a Toll Toys uh, Australian catalog that has the, um, the snow speeder slave one and our, our favorite vehicle of all time, the, uh, <laughs> the cloud car, no, the um, twin pod cloud car. Right, right, right. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, man, I feel like have twin pods. <laughs> um, it, it, well, if you look at the packaging for the, the diecast twin pod cloud car, clown car, <laughs> the twin pod clown car, Hey, Hey, um, the, the twin pod is way bigger than the, Oh, you're cloud right. Car. You're totally right. Yeah. So again, they were really into this twin pod idea. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so 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 these are images from a, a Toll Toys catalog. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I'm sorry, I, I interrupted you. No, that's all right. As always. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, they're just they're interesting in the sense that at least for the the snow or not for the Slave One and Cloud Car, there's they're just white. I mean, there's no color you know associated with them at all. And then below that, there's some you know closer images that uh, CJ had in a find i think from there's some slide images you know featuring the same concept model so these are just early representations of these diecast toys um but yeah i mean i don't know if there's all, all that much more to it than that but i'm, I'm sure but by the uh, way 
I think the reason that they're white, or one of the reasons is basically because Kenner was probably working from black and white or colorless uh, reference material. So okay. that's, I think, one of the reasons. There was also a cloud car model, maybe for the I think it was quarter the, inch one that's like yeah, gray. Yeah, yeah. And I think, again, it's just they did, probably did not have color input at that time, and they were just building it based on uh, a line drawing or a black and white photo of something and you know, didn't necessarily know what the color was going to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's... Uh, so you're talking about uh, Star Wars concept models, which is another uh, special that you wrote a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, there's a feature that was supposed to have a second part and <laughs> never got to it, but yeah, that was kind of collecting photos of those models. Which usually, very few have actually hit collector hands. Most of that stuff that's known is just from catalog photos, because you're talking about one-off things for the most part. Right. Um, so I was trying to collect a lot of them into a single article. So, yeah, that, that's a pretty interesting old article that people might want to take a look at. I think that should be our new nugget, Steve. <laughs> it should actually be so they, the these things. Yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah. this is all all these concepts, and there's the more famous ones, you know, of the the early twelve backs with their Fisher Price heads and all that stuff. Right. Um, but these other, th I mean, it is true that the fact that none of these things are in collectors' hands makes them maybe less appreciated because you know. Yeah, that I think so. Well, there's some that collectors have. It's just for the most part. You're talking about just stuff that people see in, in like, file photography. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, if, as we know from seeing how collectors behave, you know, a lot of times it's the stuff that's readily available that people want the most, which is kind of paradoxical. But if people can't get it, sometimes there's not much of an interest in it. And right. I think these models are one of those things. If people are dying to get, you know, undated first shots because that's kind of an accepted thing that is a category people want but something bizarre like this is like you don't hear people talking about it that much just because it's not really available to them so, so this is this is pretty wild because i would say the defining characteristic of the twin pod cloud car um which sounds like it was named by by our podcast because it's way too <laughs> long uh, <laughs> star wars collectors archive podcast the vintage pod um <laughs> But is that we have the Mokari image where it's blue. Right. We have the the concept model for the die cast, which is white. We have the concept model for the full size, which is dark gray. Mm -hmm. I mean, the defining thing about the ship is that it's a stupid orange color. And yet you could have this whole uh, practical rainbow of cloud cars. That's true. I mean, twin pod cloud cars. Cloud cars. <laughs> Twin, <laughs> twin pod cloud cars. Twin pod cloud cars. Try saying that five times fast, Steve. Uh, I'm not even going to try. Okay. <laughs> I always thought that vehicle was a little bit like the land speeder of the Empire Strikes Back line. It's like a fairly low price, price point, no electronics, just kind of lame and brownish. Yeah. <laughs> like reddish brown. Uh, a little little bit larger than the land speeder, but, you know. Yeah. Well, that's, that's cool. I, yeah, I like, I like the idea. Maybe... This will give you the the push you need to make a second part to the concept model. Oh so man! Article. Yeah, you just, just make it as a blog post. You know, it'll, it'll go quicker, right? Has that worked for you, Ron? Is it a lot quicker for you to write blog posts than it is to? Uh, yeah, it is. I think, but yeah, that's always a weird thing. Like, when is when should it be on the regular site and when should it be on the the blog? Right, that's a weird right. kind of thing to figure out. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, the, collecting the images and stuff is a bit tricky. I kind of got most of the points I wanted to get across in that original post. The other one would have just been collecting more images, and you know, a lot of that stuff is already on the website, like the the models for the original figures that people are familiar with, based on those Fisher Price toys, and you know, the the Vader and the Chewie models that you may you guys may know. You know, like the Chewbacca based on the Bionic Bigfoot doll, right? And the Vader, which is kind of a I don't know what it's based on. It seems to be like hand done or something like that. But, you know, there's a lot of that stuff. You really have to have a sharp eye and look through all the old catalogs, especially the foreign catalogs, to find some of it. Um, now, now, why do you uh, think it was mostly in the foreign catalogs? Because, like, both of these that we're talking about, you know, like, or a couple of things, it seems like they're from the, the Toy mm-hmm. Toys catalog. Why do you think that is? I think it goes back to probably different you know, retailing schedules in foreign countries. I think some of those countries needed material earlier. You know, Kenner was all set up to to have the stuff ready for Toy Fair in the American market, but I think some of those foreign markets needed things on a different schedule. So they might need it earlier, you know, mm. to, to push it out because maybe their retailing schedule is different. So, and, and you know, Ken, they may have just been asking Kenner for stuff earlier and then, it ends up in the catalog, and you know whether Kenner's necessarily aware of that ending up in their retailer catalog or not. I mean, who knows? But it seems like the the foreign catalogs ended up showcasing more of that weird model stuff. Right. Um, whereas you know Kenner, I mean, remember Kenner's whole schedule was set up to suit their needs for toy fair and everything. So their prototypes are generally or the the ones that look like the production stuff is generally going to be ready in time for pre toy fair um which is basically always in may has it always been in um, may or march well toy fair is in february right. and pre toy fair is sometime <laughs> earlier so really they're shooting for toy fair and then you know and the pre toy fair catalog sometimes didn't have the full line so i would say like they need that stuff ready for catalogs to be issued in February, which means the photography needs to be done probably April or something like that to get those things printed. And if a foreign licensee needed it sooner, they might not have something, and so they they might end up getting an early version. You know, right. like the German catalog was one of the first things collectors became aware of in the you know in the 90s with that was that the German one of those German catalogs had all those early figures. Right, like the Luke X-Wing and the... Yeah, and the American that, ones. That second wave, yeah. Yeah, so it always seems to be like the foreign ones are usually that have the bizarre pictures. Like the Canadian catalogs have the the Yoda hand puppet and the Yoda right. ball that are the really weird ones, but they don't show up in the Kenner stuff. But then I think the Yoda hand puppet prototype showed up in some Kenner things, but not in the, the big Toy Fair catalog. I think it just depends on when the different companies needed that stuff by and when they had to print their catalogs. I think that's basically the defining, the the controlling factor. I I was going to go on to some kind of thing about Australia being somehow in the future, so that was good. (laughs) I I think that was a much better answer than whatever uh, entity I was going to come up with. Speaking of an entity, Steve, we haven't done a commercial in a long time. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I think we should mention that the official uh, snack food of the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast is celery. Um, Gal- it is? Yeah, galactic celery. So, is it made by Little Debbie? No, no. It's just galactic <laughs> celery. Just go out and eat some celery. 
Like I eat tons <sighs> of celery. Like every day, I eat like two or three stalks. You know what's the upside of eating celery, Steve? What's that? It makes you floss more because you always got stupid strings in your teeth. <laughs> so it also helps you with your dental bill. So, anyways, um, just send um, just send out tweets hashtag Galactic Celery hashtag uh, the Kivecast. And we will send you – I'll send you a bag of celery. Just I don't know. I'll just buy you a bag of celery. I'm not going to refrigerate or anything, but I'll send it to you. Um, yeah, I'm down with vegetables. I like the celery. The car pilot eats celery. His arm is even bent so he can <laughs> exactly. shove the celery into his face. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's galactic celery too. Yeah. Hey, what do you think happens yeah. when you press that button on his shirt? <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I don't know. He's kind of sexy. Sure. Actually, looking at him now. I don't know. That's that time. It probably it's makes everything. the cloud car go into warp speed or something like that. <laughs> Not light speed, mind you, warp speed, because yeah. they're in the Star Trek universe, I'm destined. Now, now, what are we thinking about the cart art for the cloud car pilot? What happened? Like, what, what happened with Kenner? That was the only thing they got? Was this picture? Is, is See, it, I, have a, I have a theory on this. Um, just based on like the, the later characters that are pilots of things, if you notice, I think they pretty much all use long shots, so you don't actually see. <laughs> this is the one time where like it's a pilot figure, and they like zoom in right up on his face on the car back. <laughs> right. You don't even see the full ship. Everything else is just like, oh, well, that didn't turn out so well. Let's just focus on, on the vehicle. <laughs> but that's, uh, uh, I don't know, that's a thought that I had looking at it again. Just random. I mean, I'm sure that's not what it is. It's just something that came to my mind. I think that, um, I mean, that's basically the only thing that we talked about it earlier, right? About, I mean, that's the only thing, that's the only reference for that figure is like right. that head inside that model that Kenner must have had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they're pretty limited in what the heck they're going to show in there. So it's just a little picture of the model where you can see his little beanie head. Um,. I don't know what else they would have well, used. I guess they could have done the TIE pilot thing and just shown the vehicle yeah, was, flying through I space. was just going to say, I, I take that back to TIE pilot. They, they used the TIE fighter. I don't know. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, that's the only <laughs> reference Kenner would have had for that figure. I mean, I'm sure they just made up the rest of the outfit. But well, if you look at Macari's designs, it's, yeah, maybe it's, pretty, it's pretty white. So that's similar, but there's that's like about a full it. body Macquarie image of that character. There is, but he's kind of wearing sort of a fashion forward sort of Milan style. Yeah, that's that's outfit. true. That's the way <laughs> I would phrase it. Um, but if you look up Macquarie Cloud Car, you'll you'll see something. But he doesn't even have the crazy Swifty Lazar glasses or anything. Um, no, he's not rocking the blue blockers. <laughs> <laughs> And then I, I wonder, too, if this should be the, the figure for which we start to discuss uh, variations. Oh, jeez. I'll take that as a no. Okay. So next month, uh, <laughs> no, just that, uh, that there is like Are this, there variations? I don't uh, even... Well, there's like a Mexican Lily Lady version oh. that's yeah. kind of interesting because the torso is like gray. And the face is kind of painted differently. And I don't know. When I was trying to find interesting things to say about this figure, uh, I found myself actually kind of interested uh, over uh, at the Imperial Gunnery. Um, they have lots of really good stuff on that on that kind of um, – if you're interested in variations. I did seem like there are real differences. But Steve, help me out here. I didn't know anything I'm, about that. I'm looking that. at it now. Well, there's there's I mean, lots of different I knew about, things. You know, generally, right? Like the 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 gun looks a little bit different, and the tricorder looks different. 
Um, the face, it's just, uh, it seems almost like it's uh, slightly smaller as well. The boots are kind of a different color. Um, but it's, I basically want to send everybody, we'll put a link, or Steve will put a link, uh, to the Imperial Gunnery Forum thing, all about just the differences, like with the accessories from Terror yeah. to Lily Lady. And you could just sort of see the these sort of minute differences that just happened in these figures. This Lily Lady wants to have the button on his chest. It does, yes. It does. Maybe when you press the button, he break dances down the robo path. Maybe when you press the button, he break dances down the robo path. Down the robo path. Press the button. Press the button. Press the button. He break dances and he break dances and he break dances down the robo path. Yes, sir. Robo path intersection. Dance the button. Maybe when dances robo path. Hey, that's it. That's got to be in the middle of doing that. He is dressed kind of like one of Michael Jackson's backup dancers with that fly little Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Or can he see could that. be a member of yeah, Zulu Nation. Yeah. I mean, Africa Bambada, because this is you know, <laughs> in the middle of Zulu Nation's rise of taking over the planet. Um, yes. Peace, love, unity, and having fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sky here again. Uh, picked up my girlfriend from the airport. Uh, and then I had a couple days with my kids. Just uh, my son had a birthday party, laser tag, lots of fun. It's now Wednesday evening. Uh, it's 10.30. I'm tired after swimming and playing laser tag. But uh, I was editing this, and I wasn't going to record anything more. But I realized that the subtlety of Ron's humor may be lost. Because I was actually editing this, and I finally understood the joke. So this is the full joke. So earlier in the show... Now, listen, maybe you already get this joke, but I didn't get it. So, earlier in the show, we talked about the Kenner commercial, where the cloud car pilot said, RoboPath intercepted. Yes, sir! RoboPath intercepted! We didn't know what it meant. And so then, Ron was suggesting that when you press the little button on the cloud car pilot's uniform, that it does a breakdancing move called going down the RoboPath. Which doesn't exist. I thought that like the RoboPath was some kind of because I was stupid and I forgot that we made reference to that earlier. So I'd like you to listen to a little montage that I made again of Ron speaking with Africa Bambata's uh, classic old school hip hop song Planet Rock, and imagine that you have a cloud car pilot or a cloud car pilot figure. You press the button right on the right on his uh, on his chest there. And he starts doing, you know, the robot breakdancing and breakdances to Planet Rock. And imagine Ron's words in there, too. So that was Ron's joke that I'm trying to do honor to. And I think it will make the Cloud Car Pilot a more amusing figure for the rest of your life. Press the button. Down the RoboPath. Maybe when you press the button, he break dances down the robo path. Down the robo path. Press the button. Press the button. Press the button. He break dances and he break dances and he break dances down the robo path. Yes, sir. Robo path intersection. Dance the button. Maybe when dances robo path. All right. Thank you for humoring me, or thank you for allowing me to try to humor you. Uh, if you thought that was funny, um, send uh, Ron Salvatore PM. Asking him to go down the RoboPath. All right, thanks. Yeah, his face. Just when you look at the the close up of it, you know what he looks like. He looks like that dude from Droids, who's like fat. Oh, what's that guy's name? <laughs> Klebzella. George Ustad. 
Clint, George Dussard, oh, maybe? Clint, Clint Zellock. You mean the Clint unproduced Zellock. guy? Yeah, that's who you're talking about. Yeah. Am I yeah. talking about Kleb? Uh-oh. You are. You are. Sing about Kleb. Uh-oh. Kleb, 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 <laughs> Kleb. So, like, Kleb Zellock looks kind of like the Cloud Car Pilot. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. He's got the he's got those weird face and lips, and he's got the weird goggles on. You're gonna send like the Wikipedia expanded universe guys into a tizzy with this because now there's gonna be a whole backstory about how Kleb Zellock is a is a cloud car pilot who's gone to the dark side and gotten fat, yeah. eating too much halapa pops and celery. <laughs> yes, he really let himself go. I mean, he really. Because already the cloud car pilot, I would say, I would put forth as one of the fattest Star Wars figures. Uh, his face is really doughy. I mean, I don't know what they eat there. Uh, I really noticed that. If you look at it, he fills out that that little mask. Uh, you get, I, you get, I mean, you, he does not smell good. His ears smell like scrotum. I can tell you that much. Um, well. I mean, you may be right about that, although I, I'm, I'm not familiar with that particular smell, at least not in an up-close <laughs> person way. Oh, come on. Everyone knows so, anyways. It's all right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that, I mean, he's got some He's got some cheeks there. He, he looks like he has jowls just waiting to happen. You know, he, he's definitely, I don't know, what do they eat on Bestman? seems like all health food or something. Ice well, the Lando wouldn't see, I, I, I thought, food, I thought you've got to have some serious stuff. Yeah. yeah they, ate, <clears throat> they ate ice cream. Yeah. But uh, so in the event that you enjoy looking, just type in Cloud Car Pilot Variation and you'll find all these very serious photos of this completely goofy character, like side by side. Like Rebel Scum has beautiful you know, blue screen shots of them side by side. Imperial Gunnery has it. Uh, it's kind of everywhere. Uh, it seems like they're just kind of these mild variations, but I would say you could actually notice it on, on the Mexican versus the, versus the Hong Kong one. Yeah. Interesting. And, is, uh, there a less, is there a less playable figure in the line? I mean, maybe Imperial Dignitary? That, I think... <laughs> I mean, it's just like, what do you do with a cloud? You stick him in your cloud car. I guess that's, I guess that's what you do with him. He's just a yeah, pilot for the cloud car. Basically it. Yeah. But the problem is that they should have made two. Because, you know, I mean, it, or they shouldn't have let the, let the guy who must not be named for some reason sculpt him. Because with his, if his arms were straight, then you could say these are two different cloud car pilots. But with his arm bent in exactly the same way, you know it's the same cloud car pilot, right? <laughs> Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, who else would have that arm bend other than our friend? Unless you have to be, unless they're twins. Why are there two Bespin guards but not two Cloud Car pilots? That's like, you know, some kind of cone or something like that. <laughs> sort of like the Zen question. <laughs> How come there's a vehicle that has two pods and then the Bespin character that there's two different characters is the guard and not the pilot? Guard, yeah. There should be two different pilots and not two different guards. I guess it's because there's two different guards and, like, there's several guards in the movies, so they could base right. them on different guys. And Kenner had more than one picture. On the actual cloud car box, though, that, that vehicle came out before the cloud car pilot was out. So I think they just right. have best right. guards in there, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, it's it's Luke well, is in one, and then mm -hmm. the Asian security guard is in the other. Is he? Okay. And well, then there you go. another Asian security guard is like basically opening up. The, he's out. about to rip Luke out of the seat. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. He's sort of there, and then... There's yeah, 
it, it does seem that, that Kenner should have timed their releases a little bit better with their figures and their boxes. You know, part of it, I think, is Hasbro, you know, when you bought the Joe vehicles, you got the driver, and I think, you know, Hasbro at some point was like, hey, we should be releasing pilot figures, and so that's kind of why it was delayed. I, I don't think they had that thought at the time when they made the cloud car that they should make a pilot for it, and then, but later on, I think after seeing the example of G.I. Joe, it was like, well, we should release a, you know, a pilot figure because that's an easy sell. Because everyone's going to buy the cloud car and they want the pilot. And right. later on, I think in Jedi, like the B-Wing pilot came out around the same time as the B-Wing. Yeah, right, and the same with the So they the kind of got A-Wing, on right? top of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at that point in time, I think that they didn't really think about it until a couple of years later. And I wouldn't be surprised if G.I. Joe was part of that. Right. Well, speaking of, of of Hasbro, they released a vintage reissue of the Twin Pod Cloud Car Pilot. Uh, really? Yeah, they, they chose to call it the Twin Pod Cloud Car Pilot, so they went back to the pre-48 back designation. Huh. Um, huh. The sculpt looks not too much like the Kenner, the Kenner one. They do include like a little button, but they put a little design on it. Um, they gave him a little mustache, so it looks even creepier and more 70s-like. Um, and they did that thing, <laughs> See, which, <I> was... <laughs> which we should actually spend some more time looking at the, what Hasbro did to the Kenner cardbacks. Because essentially, they, didn't, they kept them fundamentally the same. But they would go in and lighten up areas, make them more readable. So you can see they really tried to make this a cardback that someone would be able to look at and say, oh, yes, of course, I get what that is. But even <laughs> with this, this modern monstrosity, uh, it still doesn't read particularly well. Man, this mustache is just creeping me out. <laughs> Yeah, he looks actually. It's kind of like the the Fu Manchu one. But I sort of love the fact that you know modern Hasbro is still making Star Wars figures with mustaches because that's just like a grand tradition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> carried on. Yeah, and it, it's total, totally is. Yeah, in in the tradition of Rebel Commander. <laughs> yeah, he's like the Ron Swanson of Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, the Kenner version couldn't have the mustache because he would get his ice cream stuck in his mustache. <laughs> well, speaking of things that nobody loves, Steve, what <laughs> does nobody love? You don't hate, only the unloved hate. The unloved and the unnatural. The unloved and the unnatural. Uh, one time when I, I wrote a paper for my thesis advisor who was extremely exigent and not always kind with his words, uh, he once – he gave me an A on this paper, but he circled my entire conclusion and said in a very beautiful French, I'll translate, I will do you the service of discarding your entire conclusion. Um, so I will do the <laughs> listening audience the service of skipping past the discussion of which of the unloved items we're going to discuss. I, I think that's a wise um, move. But I am going to quickly discuss the first one, Steve, because I actually want you to go with the first one. So before we get okay. to the second one, there happens to be a poster for Australia uh, that shows Macquarie's image of the cloud cars approaching Bespin. And it was actually for the Australian release of the Empire Strikes Back VHS. Right. And I imagine it's an extremely rare, cool piece, nice artwork, very cool. It's Pete Velmer, 
esque, and it's Pete Filmer's entry, and so I think it deserves mention. Although I don't think it's unloved, I just don't think it's that well known. No, see that that was probably my my trouble with it. Yeah, but the thing I don't know anything about is some kind of talking alarm clock. When I when I'm kind of struggling for for unloved items, I, I just tend to go I go for the household category, and I went down a rabbit hole of clocks and watches, which I'm really bummed out. I missed the panel. At celebration, it sounded based on what I found on the archive. I'm sure that would have been an awesome thing to see. But the one that just kind of stood out the most to me, and I'm sure we'll, we'll go back to this well at some point, but it's it's called in, in the archive an R2D2 and C3PO dimensional talking alarm clock. And then this one, it's a Star Wars box, but it has an Empire Strikes Back logo on the side. So those, you know, reissued or whatever. During during the Empire Strikes Back, um, or maybe it just was released during Empire Strikes Back, and they just needed the logo. Anyway, um, <laughs> the kid on the box. I'm trying to figure out. He reminds me of like a child version of some actor, and I can't, can't figure uh, it out who it he is. He looks like Durs. <laughs> he looks like Durs from uh, from Workaholics. Uh, okay, I, I can see that. Yeah, he looks very just creepy. Look- he, he looks yes. like kind of like a serial killer. Uh, he's holding up. <laughs> Although I got in. Someone said I was too mean to the kid on the Palatoy box when I called him an ogre. Um, oh, he's an ogre. <laughs> yeah, thank you. He's an ogre. I think so nice. There's enough nice people in the world. That ogre kid. Yeah. He's, uh, he's ugly and, and he should be made fun of, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, now, this kid's not ugly. He just looks kind of weird. Um, but talking alarm clock. I've never seen this item before. Have you guys ever you seen it before? You've never seen that? What is wrong with you? You do a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> like you've never even seen it? I've never seen it, Ron. What? Hey, I'm honest. If, if nothing else, I, I could be like, yeah, uh, dude, like I see you this have all to the time. work on your hipster thing and just claim you've, you've been everywhere and seen everything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ron, do you see a Chewbacca on it? I don't. Therefore, I've never <laughs> seen it before. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a. I mean, that's one of those. I don't know what to call it. It's kind of like a major vintage item, I guess. That's not in the Kenner line, but it's sort of significant because it's figural, and I think a lot of people remember it. But you're right, the kid is look. He looks just like. What is he? He's just so bored. Like, can't the <laughs> photographer get him to smile or, or look interested, or they just like yeah, I just take his picture he's from like some other context? It's so weird. <laughs> And it looks like just, because on the box, kind of holding it. Yeah. on the box, the name of the company is Bradley Time, but it right. looks like that's his name. And <laughs> his hair is like its own cloud car pilot helmet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I sort of imagine him because um, my friend uh, Brad is is one of my best friends. He's kind of like Steve, but not collecting Star Wars. But his name is Bradley, and he he used to have this job where he would just process checks at uh, Wells Fargo from ten ten p.m. to two a.m. And he would just keep <laughs> himself awake by singing uh, by singing uh, "Can't Touch This." <laughs> but to the words processing checks, so you go do 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 processing checks do 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 processing checks, and so I could just imagine him going stop, Bradley time. So that's what I imagine. <laughs> this kid is, is just constantly saying. There's no way this kid is listening to MC Hammer. No. More like yeah, I don't know what, but he would probably faint and die if you even mentioned MC Hammer that's to this true. kid. This kid is pre hip hop. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Stop. 
Buddy time. I had this as a kid, though. You had it? You had it? I had it as a kid. I don't what did it, now, do, I don't think. Do you remember what the lines were? Like, um, all I remember is that it was really hard to figure out how to set it to wake you up. So I, I maybe got it to work like one time, but when it does wake <laughs> you up, it says something like, uh, "It's like good morning, young rebel. Time to join the Rebel Alliance and fight the evil empire." And it's in Anthony Daniels probably got a paycheck for for recording it. <laughs> um, but you know, I remember liking it because it was figural. And it just, like, I always yeah. want to take the figures off of there and, and do something with them. And it sat on my little night table as a kid for quite a long time. And I'm looking online now, and it seems like there's a Return of the Jedi variation, which is pretty interesting. So this they only... took the box and put a Jedi logo sticker on top of it. Yeah, yeah. So did it only come out for Empire? I'm trying to yeah, it was in the Empire Empire era, and I want to say it was maybe later. Like, I don't think it was 80. I think it was more like 82. And 3 uh, and R2 were on a snow base, so it's like a Hoth right. type of thing. Now, I, 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 I do have the sound here. Do you guys want to hear the sound that it made? I, I would oh, love yeah. to hear it. Okay, sure, it'll go. bring back memories. But what R2-D2 is saying is you must get up. R2-D2, you shouldn't be so rough. This little rebel is going to be late. This little rebel is going to be late. Yeah, that's the part I remember. It, it sounds like it's a regular person just pitched up. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. When I was a kid, I just figured it was Anthony Daniels from C-3PO. It's kind of a pessimistic alarm clock. <laughs> This little rebel's going to be late. Hey, listen, man. I'm just getting up, all right? Come this here. little rebel's a loser and will never make anything of his life. Archie, <laughs> you're being quite harsh. I don't think this kid's an ogre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, but I had it. And, you know, I, I want to say, too, they, they did a redo of it that had a different look to it for maybe the Super Live Adventure or something. I want to say that there's, like, a later variation that that's different somehow but maybe i'm wrong on that wait wow now there's actually so there's a whole thing in here kind of going down the rabbit hole that that steve took us on conceptual artwork for return of the jedi version with uh ewok on top of it and then and then chris jorgulius puts out a very ron-esque note note here saying the resemblance to the clock has to the movie Doctor Strangelove is purely coincidental. I could have swore that would have been a Ron write-up. That's funny. <laughs> oh, there's, an, there's an Ewok one? This is on the archive? Like the art, artwork or something? Yeah, yeah, the archive exists. Uh, the description's by Chris it's from the collection of Gus. And hmm. it, it basically it's the exact same thing except with an Ewok on top. Yeah, that sounds vaguely familiar now. All right. 
But how would they, what would the Ewoks say? Just go like, yum, 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 yum. I, uh, was that an Ewok or a Tauntaun? I disagree, Ewok. I don't think this little child is horrible. Beep, boop, boop, boop. I mean, that's seriously a stupid idea for a clock. I mean, the, uh, how do you have a talking alarm clock with an Ewok? Yeah. Does that make any sense? <laughs> It's like an Ugnaught talking alarm clock. I mean, it's like a <laughs> Helen Keller talking alarm clock. Oh, I guess that's why I went unproduced. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that, that's that's really good, Steve. Because I'm actually I have to take myself away from. I just clicked on the Bradley link in the database. Yes, that's 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 what I did too. And I just started and staring at all the stop bread time stuff. And I, I I can't I can't get lost. There was a lot of I want like clock and Bradley artwork that turned up years ago, so I'm guessing that's what it's from. Do you think that this is the kind of thing that in the earlier generation of collecting would have been more popular, and and young bucks like uh, like me just don't care? Um, I don't think the alarm clock was ever super popular. I just think that it's one of those things that most longtime collectors are familiar with. Right. Like the. The Star Wars stamp collecting set, which you guys had never heard of either. Right. <laughs> I don't know how you've gone so long collecting and never seen that thing before. Why do you think we do the podcast, Ron? <laughs> so we can learn and be called idiots by people smarter than us. <laughs> I guess so. Well, you know, Steve's not so young anymore. Speaking of young bucks, <laughs> Steve just know, had man. a He's huge like birthday. And everything. He's had a huge birthday, man. Did you get yeah. my message? Congratulating you on your quinceanera? I did. I did, and that was uh, it was one of the best ones I got. <laughs> Get up, little rebel! You're late for being engaged. <laughs> Get up, little rebel! You're waiting late little for your rebel wedding. Little rebel's gonna miss his engagement. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. So now that Steve is thirty, um, in two years I'm gonna turn forty. So Steve, you have to find some teenager to host the show. I think I'm aged out in two years. <laughs> so you find a teenager to help do the show and then you get to be the old guy. Oh, and man. Keep this whole thing going. I kept coming home to see how long it could be. Okay, Space Freaks. You're listening to Christopher Astrom, K-R-I-S-T-O-F-E-R-A-S-T-R-O-M, and there are some umlauts in that name. Christopher Astrom with his hit song, Conjure Me. Christopher Astrom was just elected the official Swedish rock star of the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast. Good job, Christopher. Keep riding that Ugla train. You should go to iTunes or Amazon and pick up his songs so he can buy more TwinBot Cloud Car Pilot material. It's about 35 past the hour, 25 from the top of the hour. The traffic looks pretty good on my street. There are absolutely no cars. And out on the 110 highway in Los Angeles, it is bumper to bumper. Traffic and lane alert. It's about 80 degrees here in... Rochester, New York, and 112 degrees in the hellish Death Valley devoid of water known as Los Angeles. Keep it locked, WCHB. Coming up next, we got Ron R.A. Wacky Time, <laughs> who killed Chewbacca Salvatore, who's going to give a whole explanation about what's been happening on the Star Wars Collector's Archive. Keep it locked, space freaks. Lock it up. 
stuff recently. Uh, Amy Schoberg's been doing some cool um, uh, scrapbook posts on the blog. I don't know if you guys have seen any of that, but she kind of has been looking at scrapbooking Star Wars, which is kind of an interesting topic because I think it's this cool like folk art DIY thing that people have never really paid that much attention to and she's done like maybe three or four posts just on yeah, that. Yeah, she's up to, to three of them now, I think. One was uh, like diaries, like so she showed some uh, some scans of like her diaries uh, like yeah. back in, when episode one came out. Um, then there was one on uh, homework, which was pretty good. Um, and then the most recent one um, was like kind of scrapbooks proper, so to speak. Uh, I think it was Earl uh, Bergquist had some that he actually put together during the times that Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back were coming out in theaters. There's a lot of cool uh, vintage era like ads and, and things like that, like clippings, news clippings. Um, and then there's all the you know Kenner toy ads and things like that in there too. So it's really kind of a cool little time capsule of, of that whole you know whole scene. Yeah, I mean, if you like stuff like that, I mean, I really love advertising and then ephemera, you know, things that were released or, or made that were just kind of never meant to be saved and kind of ads and things like that are, are fit into that. So, I mean, the only way to really have an experience of that is to find someone who's, who's crazy enough to save just stuff that was advertisements in the paper or whatever. So right. I kind of really like that aspect of it. And Earl scrapbook is really cool, and it's really great that Amy you know, has been doing that to spotlight it. So, I mean, that's one thing that's been on the site. Um, yeah, that that stuff is, in the event that you're kind of like me and you sort of see it and you kind of go, you know, sometimes I get, I kind of roll my eyes at other people's nostalgia and, and I get confused thinking that's what it's going to be. It's really a lot more than that because, I mean, particularly uh, with things like, uh, like this, the Earl scrapbook in, in, Three. It's such a nice mixture of personal reflection plus just anything that said Star Wars out there is cut and pasted and put together. And like, you know, when are you going to see some weird bootleg advertisement for Star Wars stuff? I mean, there's no book out there that collects Star Wars advertising, you know, with the exception right. of, yeah. of Stefan's book, which collects all the French stuff. But, um, yeah, it's it's... In some ways, the best time, the best ways to see this imagery is right here. That makes yeah. me think, Ron, are you going to donate uh, that crazy scrapbook that you have to be uh, scanned and put in there? Yeah, well, as Sky knows, I guess Steve might not know because he's never been here. But I have like mm. a pretty awesome scrapbook I bought from an old time collector. Oh know, yeah, like yeah. sort of mind blowing. Right. But, yeah, I think I'm going to send some pictures to Amy for that, so maybe she can have another post for that. But I had always intended to digitize that whole thing and put it online, so maybe eventually someday we'll do that. But, yeah, I mean, if these people hadn't saved these things from their local papers, a lot of times you would never know it existed. And sometimes stores had unique takes on products, and they had their own art departments in those days, you know, right. different chains. And so you're getting images and artwork that was not – you know, run a Lucasfilm approved, you know, and it's just completely different. So it's really neat to see that, and I'm glad that she's been posting that stuff. But, yeah, I'll send her some pictures of mine, and then maybe we'll do a bigger post on the, the scrapbook that I have at some point. Yeah, that's that's really great stuff. And it's very vibrant. You know, sometimes the, you know, the the... You kind of see the same things, and even if you have never seen something like the alarm clock it fits within a general category of collecting whereas this stuff is just totally out yeah, there yeah and also there's Chris Tregulius's 
Toy Shop scrapbook, which is a right. scrapbook of a different kind, but similar too in, in its way. It's a collecting focused one. So, and that's out there still. If people haven't checked out that. They should really look. I mean, that gives a whole history of collecting in the 90s and early 2000s that you wouldn't get unless if he hadn't saved all that stuff, you wouldn't have it. Right. We have, we've talked about that probably not in a couple of years, Steve. Yeah, it's so, been a while. Yeah, so that's a good idea. So I'm just well, going to see... I think a lot of people see, are not aware of it, you know? Yes, I'm just going to type up Chris G. Scrapbook Star Wars and see if the proper uh, thing shows up. Yes, good. So if you just type in the word Chris G. Scrapbook Star Wars, the top thing you'll find... Uh, is on sandcrawler.com, which is where it's located, uh, Chris Nichols' website. And this is a seemingly never-ending source of all these things that – like all these auctions that happen where we talk about the uh, toy shop that Ron's talked about in the past. All these amazing images of these auctions that happened 20, almost 30 years ago now. Uh, I mean, you can see some really, truly rare, one-of-a-kind items, foreign items, and you can see these pictures, and it's true. If Ron, if Chris hadn't saved all of these and put them together, I don't know if we'd ever see them. Yeah, um, I mean, I think back when he was doing that, before it was online, I think I was probably the only person he ever made copies of it for. <laughs> he, right. he, he, took, he took it to work and made photocopies at work on the photocopier and sent me, like, this big package of, like copies of all the stuff he'd done so i still have those somewhere with the original box he sent them in but now it's all online so anyone can take a look at it it's not like it's exclusive anymore right although i don't know maybe we should like do a fund starter or something or other to like pay the money to get these things printed into a book because that'd be pretty cool to actually have his scrapbook just recreated yeah i don't know you know to talk to him about it i don't know what kind of yeah. Turtles that would be to that. Yeah, who knows? Not mine though. So I mean, you don't really. I mean, see now, now I'm stuck in this stupid. Now I'm in a rat. Now I'm in a rabbit hole here, looking at Chris G's toy shop scrapbook. Because <laughs> every time I look, I think, oh, here's a new thing. Um, so I'll have to close that out. So again, just look that up uh, if you want to see the way things really truly were. It's kind of like the archive. It's like if you haven't spent a lot of time looking at it, you're really missing out on a huge source of information. Absolutely. Although, yeah. Uh, let's see, other stuff you wanted to. Oh, yeah, other stuff. So, um, in addition to that, didn't Pete do another market watch? Well, he's been recently? on, you know, he's been on, you know, a roll with those. He's got yeah, those. So he's pretty been much... doing that, so you can go, log on there and see the latest thing from him. I and he, posted... he also did his story about what it was to be at Celebration for the first time. Um, and that's kind of like a future scrapbook in the in, in the in the future, because he just sort of talks about all the things that he bought and how much he spent, and it's really fun just to, in the event that you're the kind of person who's out there sort of thinking, you know, oh, what's it like to go to a celebration for the first time? I think that's a pretty good example of, yeah. of what it's like. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, with I mean, that. he's been doing a lot of a lot of good stuff on there, so take a look. Well, you had your uh, your bit on the the zines, which is pretty. Oh yeah, yeah, funny. and then that's the other thing. Yeah, and before the the hot thing, I, I posted something about uh, the star, report from the Star Wars Generation, which was a, a an old time, an old time, but early '90s 
um, zine, like a DIY zine that was uh, about Star Wars and Star Wars toys that later was produced as a glossy magazine, um, which people might get a kick out of um, just to see what Star Wars fandom was like before the Internet was around and before sites like the Archive were around. Uh, you know, some of the stuff in there is just kind of some funny fan-based things, like different articles. Uh, one of the early article about speculating about whether or not the, the rocket fed even exists. <laughs> yeah. I think the thing is from like 93 or something like that. Um, so take a look at that. There was also a Kenner Junior Achievement Message Center. I don't know if you yeah, guys are familiar with that. This thing is awesome. <laughs> yeah, Junior Achievement is this sort of a charity program that has that partners with local businesses to give kids a chance to develop and market their own products so they partner with you know a, a toy company and the kids would make a sort of toy and then they'd market it and sell it in limited numbers to people in their community so they get a sense of you know running a business uh, and Kenner was a frequent collaborator with the Cincinnati Junior Achievement people, and they did several items. One of them was this um, message center, which is basically just a plastic a piece of plastic with a cork board on it with some Star Wars graphics. Uh, it says, may the force be with you on it. And I think this was probably an early 80s or late 70s product. But it's explicitly Star Wars, and they're pretty tough to find. And I, I posted some stuff about that, as, as you know, along with a photo from an internal Kenner newsletter showing a, a Kenner employee with a junior achievement person, you know, presenting that to them. Um, so if you're interested in that, that's in there. This is uh, crazy. This is a really cool piece. And oh, I, yeah. I, I am a little disappointed you didn't take the opportunity to put a picture of Philip Seymour Hoffman in there. <laughs> Little Lebowski's Urban Achievers, part of them. Yes, all, part of all them. Yes, we are, because they, they look like it when they're holding it up. He's making yeah. the Little Lebowski Urban Achievers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. At least that's what I'm. But it's just cool. I mean, check out how they named the company Star Wars, like yeah, without right. the R for Star Wars. So it doesn't say Star Wars because probably they didn't have the rights because it's a licensed product and it's an actual company. So it doesn't use Star Wars, but it suggests S T A W A R C O. Um, so then, and, this would have been made by a, a Little Lebowski Junior Achiever in I think Kenner Cincinnati. would have supplied the materials to the Junior Achievement people, and, and whoever made from the Kenner. best best thing wins. What's that? And then whoever makes the best product wins. I don't think so. I think that Kenner, if you were involved in the Junior Achievement Program with Kenner, you would have made these things and you would have sold them or whatever and had the experience making a product. But okay. I think Junior Achievement every year, I guess, decided what was the best item or something. And the, the Kenner that year won like this item they decided was the best product. You know, but there would have been other Junior Achievement programs at different parts of the country. You know, Kenner did the Cincinnati, did a Cincinnati one because they were a big company in Cincinnati. Right. But if you were in, you know, Grand Rapids, maybe some other company would have done a product. And that year, according to this little blurb of this picture, they said that this was the best engineered product <laughs> in the program of that year. So, yeah. But I don't think it, like the program itself was a competition. I think kids just had a chance to be involved with making a product 
We did something similar in my shop class in high school. We had to like design a product and then sell it and all this other stuff. So I mean, it's just kind of what it was. But it's cool because it's a Star Wars centric item. You know, some of the other ones in the program. There's a a clock that Kenner did in another another year. It must have been '81, maybe. That used the graphics from the one of the vinyl cases with Yoda on right, it, right? Right. And they made a clock out of it. So that's another one. And then there's a shortcake one, I think, or maybe a mask one. So there was a bunch. Of, Kenner did it for a number of years um, in the '80s and maybe the late '70s. And, and to me, this is the coolest one because it's just so Star Wars. I mean, it's like yeah. it's got the double racetrack, and you know, it's really neat. And I've only ever seen maybe like ten of them. Wow. So it's a pretty cool item. But I don't think a lot of people are, are aware of it. Even after I posted it on the archive, don't, people don't seem to really care. <laughs> kind of one of the weird oddball items. But I, I care. Like that. I, like <laughs> I care yeah. about this and I care about the clock. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> this, I mean, little, yeah. this little rebel's getting depressed. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. This little rebel is depressed and late for work. He has not checked his message center. <laughs> oh. This so, little uh, rebel probably then, didn't get any messages. This little rebel probably cause... doesn't have any friends. <laughs> He's as lonely as the cloud car pilot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then just the other day I um, I did a post about, which I've, it's been a long time coming because I've been meaning to post something about this, is these factor standees that were used by Kenner as store displays, um, which is another thing I think a lot of people are not aware of, um, which... You guys can go read through it. But basically, I mean, the story is that uh, early on in the Star Wars line, when Kenner was still not prepared to to have complicated signage uh, on site, they did a deal with factors to buy some of their standees, their life-size character standees, and co-brand them with the Kenner logo and send them to stores as store display items for toys, uh, which is pretty interesting if you think about it. and the characters are R2, 3PO, Vader, and Chewie, which I believe are the four that Factors issued in 1977. And they basically have Kenner logos on them in sticker form. Uh, so if you're a store display geek or a Kenner history geek, the, the, that's probably pretty interesting to take a look at. Um, it's, uh, it's good to see the picture of the, the commercial with the, with the standees in there. Just uh, Yeah, that comes from a... I want to say maybe New Jersey. There's a, it's on YouTube. There was some commercial with that, and I was like, oh man, when I saw that picture, I saw that part with the kids standing with those standees. Like I bet those are those, yeah, ones. Right. And I have a bunch of other store photos from that period, and, and you'd be surprised how frequently those standees show up. So, hmm. I think there's pretty much no doubt that Kenner sent those things to stores to be used as displays. There's also a, a marketing art image that shows a, a marketing kit, at least an idea for one, for Kenner mm-hmm. to send to stores that included some of the early signage, those standees, and the made the force be with you Kenner button, which I don't know if something exactly like that kit was actually done, but I think something sort of similar was, um, where if you were a store that was carrying early Star Wars product, you got you know, some of those standees, some of the buttons, as well as the early signs, like the Star Wars is Here sign, which is one of the early store displays. It would have been probably late 77. Uh, so, I mean, take a look at that if you're interested. That pretty much wraps up 
the new stuff that's been on the site. Yeah, and uh, and and by next month, Steve, you'll notice my odd silence. <laughs> but by next month, there will either be a story of heartbreaking tragedy <laughs> or complete elation. And I'm going to leave it a mystery See, on the show. That's how you set it up. There you go. I'm actually going to hit stop on the recorder and tell you the story up until now. But <laughs> the rest of the the rest of the audience will just have to say goodbye to Ron for now, and we'll uh, pick up on the uh, uh, market watch. You'll have to wait for the heartbreaking or heart saving story next month. Bantha really young. Get out. Bantha really young indeed. Anyway, it is now Friday. It's about 2.11. I'm just back from the YMCA. Uh, my kids are playing Legos right now. Uh, Star Wars Legos mixed in with Harry Potter and Jurassic Park and uh, Two Towers, all that stuff. Uh, anyways, and we're almost done editing this episode. Uh, hey, kids, do you want to sing a song for the podcast fans? Yeah. Go ahead. And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three. The red, All right. So I just told that story. The story's been told. Tune in to next month's Kivecast to find out if it ends happy or sad. Now, I haven't looked at the market watch, Steve. You haven't. Okay. Uh, I like to not look at the market watch. Um, it makes it a little bit more exciting. So uh, do we have Brisbane, Brisbane Mike, and Fantastic Pete or just Fantastic Pete? No, we got both. Um, All right, so let's start yeah. with Cloud Car Pilot. What can we buy with a Cloud Car Pilot? Now, this, it's a, right now there's only three items that we have, but it's a start. Um, they're, I'll start with the, the big auction first, or at least the most pricey. So what this is, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's funny because you were talking about this earlier. It's uh, the Lily Letty Cloud Car Pilot with a card back that is just thrashed, um, but the auction went for $740, uh, 17 bids. So, I mean, yeah, it, <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, so I guess this is going back to the, to the discussion we were having earlier about the Lily Lady Cloud Car Pilot being very different than the other stuff. Right. Um, and I guess this is just a very rare <laughs> card back. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything this beat up go for this much money. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was the same thought that I had. <laughs> I mean, it's $740 essentially for a card back in a loose figure. I mean, this thing is beat to hell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty nuts. Now, this is a case where a debut card back, a 45 back twin pod cloud car pilot, yep. uh, came out, and the best offer was accepted. Right. So we don't know what it is, Steve. What do you think about best after accepted? Why do I keep calling it after? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I can't answer that, but this is an AFA 80, right? And then I, I think I think you can estimate that it was probably, you know, in the like 400-ish range. I'm just going to guess. Right. Um, but yeah. And then ungraded one of the same offer went for around 150 bucks. Right, right. So it seems like this is another figure that if you wanted to get a good run going you could do so pretty easily because yeah. 
150 bucks for the debut card. I imagine it doesn't get much harder than that. We didn't have a ton for Cloud Car Pilot this round, but at least we had something. Poor Cloud Car Pilot. Yeah, poor Cloud Car Pilot. <laughs> hey, you know what? I wonder what... I'm going to look up Cloud Car Pilot Tops card. What do you <laughs> think of that, the Tops card of the month? <laughs> I like that idea, idea actually. right? Yeah, yeah. Especially, like, I, I don't... I don't have the cards. I mean, I've had some, but I don't, I've never had a full set. So if we, uh, it'd be awesome with that book. <laughs> you oh, just write, God. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm uh, legitimately excited for that book. Yeah. I think that's going to be really good. I don't think he made it onto a, a top, cloud car pilot. Let's see. Twin pod. Let's see if there's any cards for it. Oh, I see one. It just says Starcraft. Starcraft. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yep. Awesome. All right. Uh, so then what, what is uh, Fritastic Pete's about this month? So for this month, uh, what Pete did is he put together a really con- comprehensive look at uh, some multi-packs that sold in an auction. Not not an eBay auction. This was just a, a public auction in the collection of Todd DiMartino. And I think the auction was back in June, if I remember right. Um, and he had, there's a lot more than, than what I put in this kind of digest version. I thought I'd just pick a couple from each line and, and highlight those. But there's a much more extensive list forthcoming. Um, so, um, yeah, so for Star Wars, uh, I picked a couple here. The first one um, was a multi-pack that had uh, Ben Kenobi, Luke, R2, and 3PO. that sold for $750. Um, and then a, a kind of corresponding one was Chewie, Jawa, Leia, and Han Solo. It went for nine fifty. Um, so it's kind of, I mean, it's just a sampling. There's like, I think, four other Star Wars ones that he highlights in his post, which, which, like I said, it should be coming up soon. And so these are basically like, what, like JCPenney multi-packs yeah, kind of yeah. deals? Just right. like you find them in a catalog and you buy them and you get them like this. Right. I, something about these that's always not interested me is I just don't understand how they were purchased or consumed. Right. Um, and, I, and I think, I mean, there's that... Uh, on the archives, there's that that kind of guide to catalog mailers. Um, right. And we've, we've brought it up before. It's not. Oh, yeah, no, we we've discussed it. I think we've yeah. actually addressed it. I think it was actually in episode 63. We talked about it in some in some <laughs> length. Yeah. Um. Um. But yeah, it's crazy. What's weird to me about these is like that you can really they really vary in terms of how many you can get and like the combinations. Like some combinations make total sense. Others are very random. Um. But in terms of like their their value and rarity, like I I'm. I'm totally clueless, so this is kind of interesting to see like a swath of them selling around the same time to kind of get a gauge on on what you know prices are, are you know materializing for them. So for Empire, I chose a nine pack. So it has FX7, Luke Bespin, Han Hoth, IG88, the Asian Bespin Guard, Rebel Soldier, Leia Bespin, Lando, and Snowtrooper. So that's you know, nine figures uh, from the Empire wave, and that sold for a thousand. Um, which it's just funny because, like, yeah, that you know, you get twice as many or more than twice as many figures, and you're getting a price that's you know only a little bit more. Um, right, but and so, sometimes more is less when you right, have exactly. this many figures. You know, FX7 and the uh, Bespin Security Guard don't exactly incite Equate. your imagination <laughs> like, like Han, Leia, and Chewie. Right, exactly. Um, and then this is crazy when there's a 15 pack. I'm not gonna list them all. They're all. They're all Star Wars figures, but they were released during the Empire Strikes Back era, and this thing went for forty nine hundred. So it's it's a big pack of figures. All of those, well, some of the first twelve, and then you have some of the of the second wave. 
Um, wow, can you imagine how psyched you would be if yeah, you were a kid and you got exactly. 15 Star Wars figures in be, one box? That, yeah, that's that's what I think of when I see some of these. It's like it, it's like a dream come true for, for a kid that you know, doesn't get them all on card. You can just get a box full of figures. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, this has got the entire wave of the second eight. Yeah. Uh, plus most of the 12 backs. Yeah, it's, it's, it's missing what Han and it's missing and Jawas, Han, Vader, Cup, but oh, still we don't need to go through them all. But yeah, that's right. that's a really awesome. It's kind of cool. Pack. You you get the you get the early bird characters, and then plus uh, you know a couple others, and then you have your yeah the the second eight. Yep, yeah, um, that's that's very evocative. That's where I like. See, I, li- I like. I like things that are evocative, and that's evocative to me. The idea of being a kid and opening – who knows what it means? It's evocative. Opening up a 15-pack and just being, oh, yeah. oh, sweet. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Um, and then for Jedi, I chose – I used to – I had one of these. Uh, I really liked the, the Return of the Jedi 3-packs. I had a nice graphic on the little box. And this one, I just picked because I – if I wanted like a Return of the Jedi three pack of Java guys, like this is it just spoke to me. I know you you don't like Reese, right? Isn't that if I remember right? You're not a Reese fan. <laughs> it's weird how much I don't like for Return of the Jedi is my favorite Star Wars movie by far. But there's so yeah. much like I don't like Klaatu. I don't like Reese. I don't like yeah. Weequay. I don't like Bib Fortuna. Uh, uh, see, it's all it's all I don't know. I, mean, I, I like Pruneface. <laughs> I don't like Squidhead. I love the Gamorrean Guard. Yeah. So, you know, it's a crapshoot. It is. Um, but for these, it's, it's Klaatu, Weequay, and Reese, and that was 300. And I remember, I think I think I had one with, like, Nadine, Akbar, and I, a Rebel Commando, maybe. And it was open, uh, but I just liked the fact that, that that was the combo. And it's usually it had the names printed on the back, so you know what's in there. And But this one for 300, I think I got mine for, like, 100, 150 bucks, but that was a long time ago. Um. And then lastly, <laughs> there is a seven-pack hero pack, which has a B-Wing pilot in it. This is like Yay! your Endor. This is like your rebel Endor thing. So it's got the, the B-Wing pilot, Han Trench, uh, Pruneface, Leia Poncho, Paplu, Tebow, and Wicket. So that's that's like a pretty... That, that That's also like very wave-specific, although the second kind of uh, set of Jedi figures. And this one went for 750 So... Uh, I don't know. I thought that that was one of my favorite ones, just purely based on the combo. But yeah, I mean, you got because Pluto like and makes, the B-wing pilot. <laughs> you get the sense they hang, right? I uh, see. What's weird? I don't know if we've. I will, we'll probably bring this up again whenever we do get to Pruneface. But I always just assumed that Pruneface was another like Jabba's palace guy. Right. I had no idea who that. Yeah, was. Everybody does, but yeah. But now that but, we know the difference, you right. know, you, you were writing about the, the behind-the-scenes footage and about how it's this big deal that we see Nyan Nub and Akbar. Oh, right, right, yeah. And I think it is, actually. That is probably the lead story because those are more vintage figures that are going to have extended yeah, life. Yeah, I totally forgot about that earlier. It, uh, <laughs> it just uh, it made me think back to that, that episode we did, that first big roundtable when that whole announcement came out. I'm like, we just need to see <laughs> Nyan Nub in there, and then we had... Like Captain Panaka and Mace Windu, and so we had one. We got one. We just need right. confirmation on the others. But, but I do wonder if if Abrams would bring back Pruneface. I bet he would. That's the kind of thing he would that's, do. Is kind that of is like the a kind of thing, thing he would do. 
you know, like have him be a, Oren, Oren Marco, whatever his name is. Have He's him, fruit face, man. Yeah, have him be like a big, a big factor in episode seven. I, I see what I, he needs to have like a speaking role, so his like little animatronic mouth moves. You know, yeah. <laughs> all practical effects. Um, <laughs> really, you mentioned that yet? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot more in this in this kind of roundup, but it was just kind of one facet of this big auction that. That Pete kind of chose to focus on, which was I thought really cool. So, yeah, yeah, more more items that we don't talk about uh, a ton. Yeah, um, cool. Well, I think we can kind of segue that into uh, more feedback. Yeah, um, which we're basically any... done with. I, I would say that uh, Jared did make us our free General <laughs> Maydean figure. Yes, and I got some some publicity. It did. Well, I, I posted that on, on Rebel Force Radio. Um, now, you see, they do these really funny, like, prank skits. Yeah, yeah. Did you listen to the one? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Michael Jackson, Jar Jar. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but they did one that was uh, the sound of uh, uh, Han, uh, Harrison Ford breaking his leg. And yeah. they made it seem really real. And my kids really believed it. Like, oh, really, really, really believed it. <laughs> So the fact that some of the Rebel Force Radio fans on Facebook really, really believe that Jared's creation of the General Maydean <laughs> giveaway was real, I say turn around is fair play, RFR. So um, that, oh, and the idea, that and the idea of having the sound of the, uh, the Topps card game open up on air, that was also there. Yes, that was, I, that was good. He also did that, except we're not officially sponsored by <laughs> – by tops, which no. I wish we would be, because then they'd give me more credits. So I, I could get more elegant weapons, <laughs> Padawan pack inserts. Um, <laughs> again, um, that's Kivecast. If you want to trade with me, so wait. I, if I download the the app, what I yes. can, can you can I only log in? Can only one person log into that account? So Listen, I can say <laughs> you can be Vintage Pod. You create a name ah. of Vintage Pod. All right. I'll be Kivecast. And we'll just trade amongst each other. <laughs> yeah, because you get more points for trading. Okay. Um, it right. is odd the thrill you get when you actually open up something that's <laughs> like an insert. It makes this cool sound. And you're like, yee Oh, I had it. <laughs> uh, um, um, let's see what other feedback we got here. Um, a, a lot of stuff from Canada's Greatest Know-It-All. Yes. Yeah. This season on Canada's Greatest Know-It-All. Um, so a lot of it was about the AT-AT commander saying that you know he didn't appear on the box because uh, the commander was released in 82 and the toy was released in 81. Right. So we discussed that a little bit with Ron earlier with the cloud car pilot as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and then interesting stuff. The Rebel Command Center was sold in Sears stores not just in the catalog. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, okay, this is what was crazy. About the Canadian, I'm just going to read it. About the okay. Canadian Sears skin-wrapped figures. They originally were Sears Canada exclusives in multi-pack sets for their respective Christmas seasons. Once the time period was up for when they were made available, the undamaged sets were returned to Kenner Canada, who would then redistribute the single action figures to discount stores such as Kmart and Woolco Woolworths. Here's an example of the Kmart sticker. Yeah. Kenner Canada realized early on that action figures were king. 
They had originally offered the Canadian version of the Cloud City a year after the USA did. It was Sears Canada's exclusive too, but not a high seller. It was available for a full three years up here. Since the Cloud City did not sell well, they passed on the Rebel Command Center. However, recognizing that the new figures from each of these sets would be big sellers, they included one new figure from the U.S. Cloud City playset in 1980, Ugnat, Hanbespin, Lobot, and Dengar, as well as the U.S. Rebel Command Center in 1981, AT-80 Commander, R2-D2 Sensor Scope, and Luke Hoth, in their multi-packs to help move out old stock. Yeah, that's... So that's really well-described quite detailed the sort of yeah. the way that Kenner Canada understood the importance of figures was kind of pick and choose what they right. were selling. Right. And then finally the the transition figure with the Akbar stickers. Yes. That they were put on at the factory, not at the store. Uh Sears Canada would return undamaged sets to Kenner Canada for the General Veers figure. It was a Christmas eighty one set that was available for catalog order up until May eighty two. So they would be sent back to Kenner Canada and they'd put those stickers on there. Right. So there you go. And then finally, he breaks my heart. He tells me he was joking, saying that he pronounces it A T A T. It's a joke about the Canadian saying A. He says my I guess my humour doesn't translate well across email. Sorry, Sky. It's all right. Hey, all I'm saying is Lego agrees with me and Lego is king. So <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, cool. It seems like we always basically end right around the midnight hour on the East Coast. It's yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> it's really funny how it, how it pretty much always ends right around here. Yep. Um, although, of course, Steve, nothing is ever finished until we figure out what's happening in baseball, which probably by this time next show will be over. It looks like I'm not going to win this year, Steve. Mm, you're... <laughs> You're what? You're at number five now. Yeah, it's I, you know, Where I had I had some tough that, breaks. I thought I'd been I, playing well. I thought I'd been playing smart. Um, but Steve, you're still beating me. Am I? How in the hell am I in third place? I don't understand how it's still even possible. Had you been paying attention? I mean, not really. I, I, <laughs> it's it's a freak accident. I think this year. Uh, well, hey, you got you got something to look forward to for the next podcast if if we are. Moving on and, and putting or leaving Luke Poth in purgatory. Um, we got your security guard is next. Yes. Bart yeah. Bespin security guard. One of my favorite unloved figures. Another uh, bendy army can't stand up kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the few things I have a vintage item of that's not yeah. Chewbacca. That's right. We could, I mean, you could do your own little uh, limelight if you want. I could. Yeah. All right, cool, Steve. Well, then, with that, we will say goodbye. We will see you all next month. Um, thanks uh, to Ron and to Gary, and I might actually interview this guy about about cloud car pilots um, from Sweden. And if I yeah. do, yeah, then that. I'll pop that in somewhere. If not, then I won't. In any and case... Okay, it's now six days since I started editing this thing. It's Friday at 7.32, and I'm ready to let our final words go. I've gone back, I've re-edited, I've taken out a lot of the angel chirpa eyes, I've taken out most of vintage theater, but I've left in uh, blue, red, yellow, 
green and orange, and some other fun stuff. All right. And Leia, what? Wait, 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 wait a second. Say, Wampa Wampa. Adios. Star Wars,